I tried a little bit of Graveyard Keeper. I don't know what that is. It's on uh, Xbox Game Pass. Okay. And it's kind of like Stardew Valley, except you're Graveyard Keeper. I, I don't know if I know that other game either. So, what, like, what do you yeah, do? I don't... Um, Keep a graveyard? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Are you just like yeah, the maintenance you... worker that's at the graveyard? Sort of. Yeah, there's a there's a story that goes along with it too. I don't want to like tell you guys or anything, but um, yeah, you you maintain a graveyard, and it's 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 quippy, it's dark humor, it's 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 fun. It's a little tedious. It's okay. like one of those like um, okay, now you have to clear out this part of the thing, and then you have to go to the town and do this, and it's 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 kind of tedious in that aspect, but yeah, it's goofy enough and quirky enough as an indie game that I, I, I sort of enjoyed so, it. So, is it like a sim builder? Because it would be really dark if it was a sim builder and you had to, like, fill the graves and the more dead <laughs> You had to kill people to fill your graves. No, something like that. <laughs> so, you get warped in from the regular world and all of a sudden you're in this place and they're like, oh, you're the graveyard keeper and you're like, what the fuck? Huh? What? <laughs> and, uh, all of a sudden a talking donkey, yes, a talking donkey <laughs> brings a body by and they're like okay well you gotta exhume it and all that stuff and then bury it and you're like the fuck (laughs) (laughs) you're really selling me on this game here keep going it's actually it's (laughs) just watch the trailer for it it's quirky and and kind of awesome okay so i'm just kind of spitballing here but i'm i'm kind of thinking the way andy described that gravekeeper game i feel like we should start a new segment where it's just andy describes video games he's playing And just, Why? Because that was a really horrible description. <laughs> just want to see how well you do, you sell us on these different games that you're playing. Just watch the damn trailer. <laughs> I I will do that after this. <laughs> just out of curiosity to see if it's actually Eddie Murphy in the game or not. <laughs> if you're gonna have a talking donkey. Oh, I see where you went there. Oh, I got you. <laughs> Took me way too long to get there, but I got there. Welcome to another episode of Brag and Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is Mike Bradley. Hi. And Andy Stoltz. What's up, podcast people? So we are back to, I would hope to think, what is sort of our bread and butter. Uh, we're going to catch up on some geek news headlines for the past few weeks. Uh, sort of a rundown. We're going to try to cover the uh, new trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home, which I guess is the first trailer, not new trailer, but... Uh, the first look we have for that, we got an update for an X-Men movie. We're going to talk about some Batfleck. Uh, what's next for the Mission Impossible franchise? we got some video game news and one of these headlines that sounds so good to me on paper that I'm already counting down until next summer. So that's my tease for what we got coming up, so beware. Uh, so we're going to open with the Spider-Man trailer. We're just going to get right into it. Um, this will be actually, I guess, our first reviewed trailer of 2019 since we've been recording. Uh, so it's none other than Spider-Man Far From Home. 
I we've talked about this before with Endgame and Infinity War. The way that ended, I've been really curious to see how they're going to market this movie. Uh, since I feel like normal people might not have expected to see Spider-Man again this soon, considering how uh, Infinity War ended. Um, and even the trailer itself, I don't think, shows really anything tied to Infinity War or Endgame. I didn't see anything in the trailer that could hint, like, even, like, when this movie takes place, whether it's before or after either of those Avengers movies. Uh, so we'll just kind of go around. Uh, Andy, if you want to start, what do you think of the trailer? Um, I liked it. I, I, uh, liked it more than I thought I would, I guess. Weren't expecting much from this one? or I, I wasn't sure what to expect, given, uh, Infinity War. Yeah. So, um, I think it's cool that it looks like Fury plays a pretty big role. Yeah. It's yep. been a while since he's had a big role in any of the movies. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, you know, if there's any other character that needs some guidance, Spider-Man would be a good one to have have mentor characters in there with him right but uh, i mean it still looks like he's got you know the love interest and in, uh zendaya and uh yes his, his little yeah. quirky comic relief buddy so ned right that's his name ned yeah ned yeah so uh they, they they got the it looks like they got the equation correct uh what equation for a good movie, you know. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they the got formula. The, is that better? Yes, formula? formula's better. Yes, yes. That makes more sense to me. Uh, yeah, they're they're. It's the same. Pretty sure it's the same director as, as Homecoming. I think John Watts came back. Uh, so it's it's still got that John Hughes style in there, which is cool. I think the action looks like it got ramped up in this one. Just yeah. from the trailer. Uh, Mike, anything stick out to you? What did you think of the trailer? Um, I had been staying mostly in the dark about what was going on with this movie specifically until I saw the trailer. So Jake Gyllenhaal being there as yeah, Mysterio was, was yeah, I did not know that was there. Like I said, I, I was in the dark. So when I saw him, I was like, oh shit. Oh, <laughs> to okay. be fair, I was, since Andy <laughs> typically, I think avoids a lot of these things. I asked him specifically, do you want to cover the trailer? And he said, yeah, let's go for it. I did not ask you if you wanted to cover the trailer or stay away oh, from no, it. Oh, no, no, so. no, no. I I just had been avoiding. I'm trying more and more to avoid casting announcements and things like that. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but trailers, trailers are still okay. I'm still okay with trailers, but okay. they want to okay. show me. I'll watch. You know, like in. I I just I don't it, like I don't mind talking about casting announcements, things like that, whatever. But I'm trying not to actively seek it out as much because I feel like it's it's adding anticipation for things that are way down the road that, you know, that they is an example on like my own brain on that. They, there was talk that they were already looking at casting a new Wolverine and I wouldn't want to know about it if they did that already. Cause the chances are we wouldn't see that for a few years. Okay. Um, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, now see know, now, now I'm going to have to consciously be very like, I guess conscious of what we're going to cover on these like headline episodes. Now, if we start talking about casting, I'm gonna be like, Oh wait, I don't know if Bradley wants to talk about that. No, like I said, I'm fine talking about it. Well, it I like, cause I don't if it's mi- something we want to talk about, I'm fine with talking about it. Okay. I'm just saying I'm not actively seeking the information out. Like I used to, like okay. I used to be like really looking for it all the time. So Jake Gyllenhaal was big surprise for me. Cool. Um, 
So whether or not we're seeing what we're seeing in the trailer, whether or not that's Electro or not Electro, um, Mysterio making illusions, or if that's Hydro Man, or you know, looks like they put possibly Sandman at one point could be there. I, w- I was wondering um, if that was Absorbing Man, right? Could be good old Carl Creel showing up. Um, the only thing I don't know about that is how tied the universes still are because he was on Agents of Shield. Shield. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if they're counting that or not. Well, that's the thing. We, Mike, you and I were sort of texting back and forth, I think, after the trailer came out because after I sent you the trailer. Um, the little bit that we know of Mysterio, at least as far as like his origins from what... I never really read comics with Mysterio. I'm basing a lot of this off of the 90s animated cartoon, which in the cartoon, okay. he was the disgraced stuntman that had it out for people and decided well, to become Mysterio. He and was a, a special of... effects artist. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. You're right. Because um, that's why, yeah, because he was using movie special effects tech. Yeah. Which in the animated show were like these little hollow cubes that could basically make a hologram of something that would fake people out. And then he'd look like the hero because he's facing these quote unquote villains. Yes. So you're seeing sort of some of that in the trailer. So you have to wonder if that's an illusion that he set up being this special effects background. Or the other theory I was sort of seeing was that these are actual villains like Hydra Man, Sandman. Somebody said Molten Man was in the trailer somewhere. I that, think somebody said all the elementals. Yeah. So um, these could be people that, like, if Mysterio wants to look like the hero, that maybe he's hiring these people out to cause havoc, and then he swoops in to save the day. Or perhaps they exist, and he has them captured. Maybe yeah. he actually, you know, drugged them or something, and he's just, you know, making it look that way. And I don't know. But it definitely looks like he's trying to play that part in right. the trailer. Yeah, the whole um, thing with Mysterio is nothing is as it seems. If he is trying to play the hero, chances are he is not. Right. Um, the other thing, I, I, to me, like I think you kind of said it before, is that we don't know when this happens. Um, and the most yeah. notable part of that, to me, is 100% down to he's not wearing the Stark armor. He is not wearing 17A, if you will. He is wearing the other suit that Stark gave him. Yes. So that, to me, why would he not be wearing the incredible suit that Stark gave him in the last movie we seen them in? So this could be something where they kicked it back a few months or a year or something in time just to not conflict with Infinity War. So I have a theory that I read online. Even though, Even as much as I'm trying to stay away from this stuff, I still catch headlines for this stuff. Okay. So, if you want, I can throw it out there. We can sort of dissect it and see if it has any bearing on this movie. I mean, I mean I'm curious. I, yeah, now. I don't know how much you guys want to speculate on this stuff. But, so, at the beginning of Infinity War, Peter Parker is on a bus going on a field trip. He leaves said bus to go help the attack on New York. It's thrown into space and all the Infinity Gauntlet stuff happens. The theory is that after the events of Endgame, it just picks up, basically, with him on the bus in far from home, like something resets. So there on the bus going to his field trip, right where that movie starts. That is a really interesting 
scenario there. So, yeah, whether or not there's anything... If if the rumors are true that Endgame has to do with time travel and, you know, alternate dimension type stuff, there's that sort of conceivably could work, but... Yeah, yeah, so could, yeah that's... That's would a wait explain and see. not getting the iron spider armor. That's why he would have the older colored suit. That's why there's no acknowledge of, like, you know... Not, unless they're just hidden it in the movie somewhere and just, you know, the trailer cuts it up that it's maybe in the movie, but they're just not showing it in the trailer. But there's no repercussions of big events that would have happened in Infinity War if this movie takes place after. Which is why I feel like more likely it takes place before. But, yeah, I mean, we won't know. It's all, it's all speculation at this point. Yeah, it's definitely speculation. Um... I just think, you know, there's a lot of possibilities out there. Maybe this new suit he has is even newer than 17A. Because we well, all this know is... Stark obsesses and constantly makes suits. This is one that Fury gives him, right? The trailer seems to hint at that, that he leaves yeah. his suit at home. And then obviously he gets another suit when he's in London. Are we sure that the suit he leaves at home isn't 17A? Well, the suit he lives at home is the one that he gets in Homecoming. Like the the regular, the first Stark suit. Okay. 17A is the uh, Iron Spider suit that he gets for Infinity War. Um, the only difference is like the color scheme for this one in the trailer is a little bit different. It's not blue and red, it's like black and red. So I don't know if it's the same suit, just colored differently. If it's a new suit altogether, we don't know that. And we get another tease for like a, I've heard it referred to two different things. One's it's the stealth suit and second, it's the noir suit. So I don't know which one it could be, but sort of looks like a little bit of both. But he has that quick shot of him in like the black suit. Yeah. With the goggles. Yeah. So there's another suit in there somewhere. Spider Ninja. (laughs) I would not put it past them to do a Spider Ninja. But yeah, I think, I mean, I think visually it looks, at least the quick shot that we get, looks more like the noir suit. Stealth suit. I never understood that. And Mike, you can attest to this. If you've used that suit in the Spider-Man PS4 game, it's a black suit, but it lights up with like this neon green color, which I don't feel like is very good to be stealthy in. Keeps them off a of radar. I mean, I can't explain yeah, maybe. it. <laughs> yeah, like I, it could have I mean, some practical use. Maybe that I, I just don't know. But visually, I don't know how... it looks like it should stand out. Yeah, I mean, I've got no explanation as for why. I never actually read any of the comics with him using the stealth suit. Yeah. Um. So, its abilities and the reason it looks the way it does are completely beyond me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, either way, I'm with you guys. I am, I am looking forward to this. I think the trailer looked really cool. I loved... And I don't know why they don't do this in the fucking movie, but they incorporated like the Spider-Man theme song, like modernized with the orchestra in the trailer. Like I want that in the movie. Didn't they do that at the beginning of the last one? They opened it with the Marvel logo, but it's not used as his theme through the movie. I don't think it needs to be. I think like, I don't know. I, I was fine with it in the last movie being like, opening the movie with it and being like, okay, Spider-Man's home. You can feel good. This is how this should sound. Because I think anytime we ask them to put it in the movie, we're risking 
a weird lady with a ukulele on the side of the road doing the thing That's from different. Spider-Man 2. That that goes in line with Sam Raimi's <laughs> campy sense of what the tone of those Spider-Man movies are. This is, at least the way it's used in the trailer, is very serious and modern, and it pumped me up just hearing it in the trailer. I mean, maybe it'll make an appearance this time. Maybe it won't just be in the trailer, you know, in the opening credits. Maybe it'll be in a major scene. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping it's somewhere in there because I, I think it works really well in that trailer. I'm hoping it's not just trailer music. I think you get more hyped on it, though, than I do. Probably. Like, but don't get me I wrong. Mean, like, a, a theme song like that can do things. I just don't know that Spider-Man's is like an action moment theme song the way like Superman's is. Like the you know the Christopher Reeve Superman movies when it's da 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 when he does something amazing like I feel like that really hits home but I don't know if Spider Man's theme song has the same effect. Well, I feel like if you're thinking of it from like the cartoon in the '70s, that type of campy theme song, no, it's not going to have that effect. But the way it's orchestrated in the trailer, I think, could be used very well for an action sequence in the movie. Okay, I, I'm not going to say you're wrong there. That that's an absolutely fair statement. I'll take what I can get. <laughs> um, did you guys happen to see um, Mike you probably didn't because you haven't been listening to casting announcements but um, Jake Gyllenhaal posted like a I don't know 8 second clip after he was cast as Mysterio reading the comic book is that the one yeah. you're talking about yeah yeah yeah. I thought that was pretty funny hmm. he was reading a Spider-Man comic with Mysterio on the cover and you yeah. see it like open so you can see the cover and then he pulls it down so you can see his face and he's just like what the f-? and then it cuts <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's like i don't know if he was like led to believe that he was gonna not be the villain and then he's reading the comic books and realize wait a minute i'm yeah, playing the yeah. bad guy <laughs> not bad not bad so yeah i think it seems like he's actually having fun and i think it's even better because i thought he was rumored to be up for the role of spider-man in one of those movies whether it was Raimi's spider-man or i think it was Raimi's. okay so it's kind of fun that it's kind of come full circle that he's now in a Spider-Man movie again. Or I guess for the first time. Yes. Now I'm thinking about like replacing Tobey Maguire with him and I'm... I don't know how... That's just... I'm not, that's fucking Yeah, I mean, you gotta think that was like 15 years ago at this point, so... Oh, I know. It's just it's fucking with my brain because I'm like... I'm thinking like day after tomorrow, Jake Gyllenhaal is... <laughs> and I'm like... Mm. In an alternate universe. That's yeah. probably happened. Yeah. And then we're getting Tobey Maguire as Mysterio in this movie. <laughs> See, now that's a definite doesn't fucking work. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jake Gyllenhaal as, as Mysterio or Spider-Man back in the day would work. Tobey Maguire as Mysterio? No fucking <laughs> Oh, is anyone else really excited that the Mysterio costume actually came with the fishbowl? Like, they gave him the fishbowl Yes, head? they didn't back <laughs> down from it. We're not getting that's a someone, fucking was it, Paul you know, Giamatti someone, rhino suit. Yeah, they cast someone as you know with Jake Gyllenhaal in that role, and you think, oh, okay, well they got to let the star be seen. Let's not give him a helmet because you want to see his face the whole time. But no, they put him in the fishbowl, so that's pretty fucking cool. Yes, that is like that's the iconic part of the character. Like that's the it, otherwise he would just be a dude in a, in a suit, and you wouldn't you'd have to be told he was Mysterio, and <laughs> like who the fuck wants that. Well, at the same time, like, if they gave him a helmet, I wasn't sure if they'd try to, like, modernize it somehow and just not make it look like a fishbowl. It better look like a fishbowl and have the full misty smoke in it the whole time. I mean, from the quick shot of the trailer, that is what it looks like. 
yeah, that it is, and that's what I want it to be. Which yeah. I think Marvel's done a good job embracing that quite a bit. Yes, yes. As opposed to taking the what the fuck role that Sam Raimi did with Green Goblin, um, <laughs> or some other movies that have tried to turn things more realistic for oh yeah, yeah no like X Men and their uniforms and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like. They, they, they. I don't know if it was a Hugh Jackman thing that he just refused to ever put on an actual comics-worthy Wolverine costume of any sort with a mask and like full-on like fucking go for it. But that's what we want. That's what we want to see. We, you know, and so when they're gonna do it with Mysterio, who's one of the more ridiculous-looking but cool at the same time, like it's it's hard to do for a movie and have it work. And they're going to do it anyways, because it's a fucking cool design, even yeah. if it's ridiculous. That's yeah, that important. that makes me excited. Uh, last thing I'm going to say is the, uh, the the end tagline for that trailer with Flash talking about like how he adores Spider-Man and so awesome, dope suit and all this stuff. And then he sees Peter and is like, what up, dick? <laughs> I loved it. That was such a good joke. I really really hope we get him as an actual villain at some point the way you usually do with flash see i think more modern takes on flash though he's he's not that big of a dick like he's kind of a dick to peter but well especially because they did like the whole agent venom stuff with him and that kind of thing that he's he's been played more for a hero than the villain true lately I mean, I don't see the guy they cast as Flash to become Agent Venom. That just no. doesn't fit for me. <laughs> no, he's not going to be Agent Venom. Like, um, you need the football jock Flash to be Joe Manganiello. Agent. Yeah, he would have been. That would have been Venom. amazing. I still want to see that movie. Yeah, I they can retcon back to that, and I'll be fine with it. Um, anything else to add on the trailer from you guys? We'll oh yeah, um, I, I want to see if uh, Happy hooks up with. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that, I. I totally want to see the movie because I want to see how that how that works. <laughs> yeah, that was something I was not anticipating them to do. Like I never would have guessed they'd go that route. The look on Peter's face was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was priceless. <laughs> what what just ha- what just happened? <laughs> I mean, and those were some of the best jokes from the last movie with Stark making the jokes about her. Yeah. yeah. Oh, did you see Aunt May's 10-year challenge on Twitter? No. <laughs> that was like That's the thing that's been going around. It's like the ten, like you put up a picture from 10 yeah. years ago. and then yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was the picture of Sam Raimi's Aunt May and then Marissa Tomei's <laughs> Aunt May 10 years later. Uh... So I think she won the 10-year challenge. Yeah. Like if, if, if you had to pick a winner, I think that's I think that's the one. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, there, oh, there's I things it's... I'm thinking that are really bad. Like, is that lady even still alive? So I think yeah, Marissa Tomei definitely won. But yeah, I can't. I, I, I don't want to forgive wanna... me. I don't know that actress's name, so I can't without looking it up. I don't know who that is. Yeah, it's all good. It just you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, the other thing too, I guess, is they sort of quickly acknowledge in the trailer how Aunt May is taking the news that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, because we get that tagline at the end of Homecoming where you don't know how she's going to react, but it seems like everybody's cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
if he's I don't know I guess if the if the time travel thing is going on maybe she doesn't know that he survives Infinity War or but I mean I guess we'll see I mean it looks like yeah she's gonna be okay with it but I mean what else is she gonna do tell him like no what's well, it yeah I mean that's an interesting <laughs> you know, like, it's an interesting no. thing to do because and all the no, other no more Spider-Man movies. <laughs> I mean, because the other ones they always like try to hold that back, like Aunt May figuring out that he's Spider-Man and trying to keep it a secret, and how she's going to react when she knows. So it's like they just get that out of the way and be like, you know what? She's fine with it. She supports his decision being a superhero, and let's go with it. It's a, it's a different dynamic, I think, to put on in a movie for them. So I'm I'm curious to see where that goes. I'm so all I can think about now is the video game, and I can't I can't right now. I just can't. So. <laughs> You can't go through that emotional roller coaster. Again. No, I yeah, like I, it, you're just like it's the same thing you're talking about, and I can't, I can't do it right now. Is it the PS4 one? Yes. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. Okay. yeah. It, it's. I I think I've said it before. That the end of that game made me cry. There yeah. it is an emotional gut punch at the end of that game. Completely unexpected too. Like it's not like none of the rest of the game really hits you that way emotionally. Like there's moments that you you're like, oh my god, yes, that was awesome, and it does that quite a bit. But not emotionally heavy like it is at the end. And then yeah. the end gets emotionally heavy really quick. And it comes out of nowhere. And it was... Yeah, I can't. I can't. We As much as we talk about this game, I think after Romano finally finishes it, we might have to try to just sit down and do like a, a massive review episode of that game. Because... Oh, it's so fucking good. I agree. I'm in. Andy, go play uh, it so you can be into it. <laughs> oh, what the crap. <laughs> There's your homework. Buy Spider-Man on PS4. Beat the game before we decide to do this. And then come back. That's asking a lot, man. I know. Romano's slow. It'll be a while. Yeah, if you get if you jump in and just play through it, I think you'd still beat Romano to the end. Uh, all right, anything? One Last call for Far From Home trailer. Anything else? Nothing? All right. Moving on. Uh, next up, I have uh, Batfleck news. So I was reluctant to put this headline in here because I wanted something a little more concrete when we were talking about this. But it seems like Ben Affleck is done with Batman. Uh, Deadline posted an article that says uh, Matt Reeves' upcoming Batman movie would release in 2021. And that they heard Affleck was stepping down and Reeves would be looking to recast with a younger actor. The article itself is basically just a rumor, um, but it seemed like it was getting more credibility when Affleck himself retweeted that specific article and said he looks forward to Matt Reeves' vision for the movie. So looking at that, I, the article itself, again, I thought was just a rumor. I didn't think it was worth really bringing up because we've been hearing he's out for, you know, six months and we've never heard anything official. Right. But the fact that he is commenting on the rumor seems to lend a little bit more credibility. And then, of course, once he did that, everybody was picking it up and saying, Ben Affleck's done. Here's all the actors that should replace him, and blah, 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 blah. So it seems like everybody's going with it. So what do you guys think? Do you think Affleck is officially done with Batman? Yes. You don't think there's any way he's still attached? I mean, if you throw enough money at anything, he'll do it, I'm sure. But at this point... I don't think they know what the hell they want to do with the, I think, I don't know who coined it, but I think Kevin Smith may have coined it the Snyderverse, um, as opposed to, you know, because I don't think they know what the hell's going on. Because at the same time I saw this, I saw, like, 
them posting a Margot Robbie picture as Harley Quinn in the Birds of Prey thing. Mm, yeah. And and I'm like, they're going forward with this, but not with this. They're going to recast into these roles in the same universe, and they're going to do this. They Henry Cavill's evidently out. Now Bat, Batman's going to be out. So are we just going to ignore their existence, or are we going to recast them, or what? what's going to happen? And now it seems that they're going to recast for this Batman movie. <sighs> I mean... We we may as well just play Jenga and see how it goes. Just put these characters and actors and movies on Jenga blocks and see what comes of it after the game's over and everything falls. See where everything lies and just go with it there. Yeah, I mean, I guess at this point, what you know, whatever you call it, Snyderverse, DCEU, their their DC's interconnected movie universe is effectively dead. They're not caring about keeping people in these movies or not caring about connecting these movies with any type of continuity. And yeah, they, like Mike said, they don't really give a shit. They're just throwing stuff at a wall now. Which saddens me because they finally get like a really good one in Aquaman. Like to me, Aquaman's the best they've come out with yet. And you get this really good one out there with a director that's not named Zack Snyder. Yeah. Wait, Aquaman was better than Wonder Woman? My opinion. I, mean, I was going to say, his opinion. Not, yeah. I do not share that opinion, but... Um, Aquaman, to me, is would be a middle-of-the-pack Marvel movie. Upper middle-of-the-pack. Personally. But this isn't an Aquaman review. This is me saying, um, even just generally accepted, Aquaman's pretty damn good. And they they have this. And they had something that caught a spark with audiences whether or not you want to rate it good bad whatever that movie's still making bank and it's gonna keep making money and it's making a shitload and you have this happening now and the sad part is is that you have it happening at a moment when the rest of what they created is just in shambles yeah and it's all confusing and mixed up and so, if that's what their future has to be, is it doesn't make sense, but it's fun to watch for the first time, I'm all for it. Sure, just fuck it up for another ten years before you do another reboot, and maybe try to get it right next time. Yeah. Um, Andy, I want you to chime in, too. What Do you, do you think Affleck's officially done? you think we'll hear that somehow he's still involved with the, the Batman solo movie? or I think he's done. Okay. I think he's done, and I think we're going to be better for it. Um, not that he was a bad Batman, but if you think of all the Batman, George Clooney aside, he was the most forgettable. <laughs> Just the movies didn't do well. You know, I still haven't seen fucking Justice League. Really? Yeah, still haven't seen it. Just no desire to. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I and I was like a one of the um, like. Batman v Superman wasn't like a terrible movie. I, I think I was kind of like, you know, it wasn't as bad as what people were saying, but it's mostly forgettable, you know? Yeah. All I'll and say that's is when things started getting all fucked up, too. So, <laughs> well, yeah, that's when things got fucked up. Um, <laughs> it, it, and, you yeah. know, he did a lot of work to be uh, Batman. I mean, he. 
dude had a, like a really strict workout regimen and everything. But oh, he bulked up for sure. Yeah, 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 and and like some of the fight scenes are really badass, and you know I think they could have done well with him, but you know I, I I think it's time to move on, and I think the DC universe and uh, viewers, us in general, are going to be better for it. Hopefully. They, they still have not cast Nicolas Cage to be the next Batman. Let's just <laughs> put that out there. Um, <laughs> he sort of already had that role, though, in Kick-Ass. And it worked. Yeah. I, it, I love that movie. Um, yeah. It, what I'll say about Batfleck in general as a reflection is a Batflection, maybe? I don't know. Let, let, <laughs> You're um, reaching. You're reaching. I'm here. reaching. Um it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be when it was announced. When they actually announced that they casted Ben Affleck to be Batman, I'm like, couldn't have just cast him to write it. You, you actually cast him to be in it, which, fuck. Okay. And I was not, I, I felt like it was going to be much more of a train wreck than it was. What it, like His role as Batman, I don't feel is what ruined those movies. No, yeah. no, it, it was it was everything else. Uh, yeah, and uh, he could have been a really excellent Batman given the story, director, continuity, uh, anything else. There's given a, a, a Batman movie, a movie, <laughs> yeah. you know, like about just strictly Batman. Yeah, yeah. Let's well, actually. Josh is the one who sent this article my way on Facebook. He posted it to the the Facebook page, um, and the one thing he said was that uh, he's still a little bit sad that he we won't be able to get to see. A Batman movie written and directed by Affleck, which who's, who's a good writer and a good director, right? I mean, exactly. He's, so yeah, some good movies. I don't know if that was part of his deal of like, okay, you're going to be Batman, but somewhere in there, he's he might have worked it out that he would be one to make a Batman movie himself about the character he's playing. Which, if the rumors are to believed, that's where Joe Manganiello's Deathstroke was going to come into play. Mm-hmm. Which we get teased in Justice League, which we've ne- we're probably never going to see again. No, we're not. Yeah, and, and I mean, even at that, we could have got Kevin Smith. I, even if it wasn't going to be Ben Affleck, we could have gotten Kevin Smith. Who, I mean, if you've ever read the Widening Gyre or Cacophony, they are fantastic Batman stories, and that that's from the mind of Kevin Smith. And I think that it would have been great, given that connection, to see them get to work a Batman movie and watch what people, you know, even if Ben Affleck isn't my first choice as Bruce Wayne, he's a big fan. You know, like they, they are legitimate fans of this stuff that would have been writing and directing. Yeah. Doing that, working together. That would have been amazing. Sad thing is I don't think Affleck and Kevin Smith talk too much anymore. So I don't know if they, if that would have worked out that way. I'm guessing there was a falling out or something. I don't. I don't think they had a falling out, but like I think they were, just from listening to Kevin Smith's podcast and stuff like that. He he talks like him and Ben haven't really kept in touch. Okay. Yeah, and it was before he was cast as Batman. So it, it's I think it's just Ben's growing stardom and stuff like that. They've just lost touch. Yeah, that I, I think that was part of it, and I mean, but yeah, nonetheless, Kevin Smith was kind of like campaigning pretty hard for a short time there to get involved with the movie. Yeah. I mean, it was a while ago. He gave up pretty quickly when it was like, oh, Zack Snyder's going to do it, and it's going to be Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder. Yeah. And then somebody realized this isn't working. Um, But, 
yeah, it, I, I, it would have been great to see what they could have done, though, coming from legitimate fans. Right. Yeah. And I don't, I'm with you guys. I don't think Affleck did a bad job as Batman. I thought he should, actually did pretty good. And I don't know if it's like, I feel like it's going to be fun if we go back and watch like Man of Steel, BVS, Justice League in like 10, 15 years time, just between the movies that are going to come out between now and then DC movies, and then go back and watch them and see if we have a better appreciation for what Snyder tried to do with those movies. I think they might've been ahead of their time. Man of Steel. Yeah. Okay. So even still, yeah, I think, you know, they might've come out like ahead of their time and, you know, in the, in the bulk of when Marvel was doing a certain thing and everyone expected superhero movies to look like a Marvel movie. I, yeah, I mean, I never had a problem with man of steel. Um, the, 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 I think the the problem with Zack Snyder is that he has no sense of humor, seemingly. <laughs> and that's when you're going to make a movie that is really dark, you still have to have a good ironic sense of humor in it, a dark sense of humor, something. There has to be a break in that tension. Yeah. And the tension has to be better than it was. Um, and I think like that that was part of I think the thing is like it's such a dark tone that they take and then the dark tone itself isn't a success as a dark tone. Yeah. And I mean Justice League tried to lighten it up, but some of those jokes it's like fifty fifty if those jokes land. True, some but of them Justice bad. League was still better than the rest, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, um that's fair. It, you know, like when it, I loved Ezra Miller as Flash. I know you have your thing for the guy from the TV show, but yeah, I got a man crush on Grant Gustin, right? For the Flash TV show, but I, I'm Ezra Miller. I thought was great, and I feel like they had something there that would have worked. But again, well, technically, a Flash movie is still happening. Like he's still attached to a Flash movie that is somewhere in development. Okay. So it's funny that like the the two people they cast first, Henry Cavill Superman and Ben Affleck's Batman, are the first two to go. Well, like Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman's still hanging on. Jason Momoa's Aquaman obviously is probably going to get a sequel after the big success that Aquaman was. Edward Miller is still attached to the Flash somewhere down the line. Yeah. But again, I think that's more they're they're making this up as they go. They they don't have a clear-cut plan for any of these movies or characters. So the release dates keep changing. Who's attached to these movies keep changing. The Flash movie has gone through like three or four directors already. Is it really happening? Come on now. They keep put. They keep saying it's on the schedule. They keep delaying the release date based on director changes, but if you ask them if it's happening, yes, it's still in development. I could easily see that ending up going the other way. Like, Especially because I feel like Ezra Miller's busy, so you got to find time to him for him and his schedule to make a Flash movie. Yeah, there's Especially that. being attached to all these Harry Potter movies. Yep. And he's in demand, too, because he's a popular actor right now. He's Yeah. So. So, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see, I guess, what happens with this. We'll definitely talk about this again if they ever announce any type of casting for this movie, because I am curious to see if, if Affleck is done what younger actor they choose to pick up the mantle as Batman. I could go a whole podcast on people I would want to cast as Batman. 
fan casting is a lot can, of fun. We can maybe revisit that then. I didn't want to spring that on you guys now because I sort of just added this today. So I, wouldn't, I didn't want to, you know, put you on the spot. I'd rather you guys have time to think of suggestions for a Batman casting. But so maybe we can revisit that later. Um, Andy, you said you you did you like Man of Steel and you like BVS, right? Yeah. So now, actually, I I think you probably should watch Justice League. I think you might actually like it if you like the other two. I'd like to see it. That um, uh, I tried to get um, lost my train of thought. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's on my list to watch. Okay. I don't want to know how big that list is. I f- I feel like we talk about that list all the time. <laughs> Fucking huge, man. <laughs> But yeah, I think if you if you decide to watch Justice League, you have to let us know what you think. Okay. I'm I'm curious if you if it turns you off or if you actually if it if you like it. But I feel like just judging from your reaction for the other two, I think you'd actually like Justice League. So you have to you have to report back. I'll give you your homework assignment at the end of the episode, and we'll go <laughs> see how it goes from there. Um, anything else for for Batfleck? We'll move on to the next one. Nothing? Alrighty. Um, so we've talked before about Dindy, Dindy, Disney's pending acquisition of Fox, which includes the X-Men franchise. So Fox already has a few X-Men movies in development that are set to release this year. Dark Phoenix, which has already been delayed twice, is now set to release this June. Uh, the other X-Men movie in development is New Mutants, which was originally set to release in April of 2018, then delayed to February of 2019 currently is set to release in August of this year, but now there's rumors they're saying this movie is going to get delayed again and might either end up in October or November as Josh Boone, the director, and Fox are having issues agreeing on a final cut of the film. But not only is a release date delay possible, uh, it seems that Fox is thinking about releasing this movie on Hulu, and it might not even get a theatrical release. Uh, So. Ouch. We were told by Disney when they purchased Fox that, you know, it would be business as usual. Upcoming movies would be fine. They're not going to get delayed or canceled or anything like this. But this does not sound good. Is it even official yet? As far as the Legally, deal? yeah. Uh, last I heard uh, earlier in the week, I think, was that the deal should be finalized in June. Okay. Uh, so, I don't know. Mike, I know you've been looking forward to New Mutants. I have. So, what do you think about this news? Um. So first, let me say there's a few things that got me excited for New Mutants when they first put out a trailer. There was a trailer for this. They, they like this is well over a year ago that the first trailer for this movie was released, and it, that's back when it was supposed to come out in April of last year. Yeah, that they released a trailer for it, and it looked awesome. They were ma- they were putting together a New Mutants horror movie. They cast Maisie Williams to play Wolfsbane, which is fantastic fucking casting. She is incredible in everything she's done so far, which is pretty much just Game of Thrones, but she's fucking awesome on Game she's of really Thrones. She's really good at it, yeah. Um, and then they cast Anya Taylor-Joy to be Magic, which she's pretty damn good in everything she does. And she also happens to look identical to most of the drawings of magic. Um, 
I don't know much about those characters, but I I know what magic looks like. And when I saw the trailer, I was like, yep, okay, that's exactly who that person's playing. Because you're right, she does look exactly like that character. Yeah, exactly. And she's, a, like I said, she is a pretty good actress from what we've seen so far, which hasn't been much. She hasn't been in a whole lot of movies yet. But what we've seen has been pretty good. She was good in Split, um, which is pretty much the only reference I have, come to think of it. Um, oh, wait, is that the girl? I didn't realize that was the same girl. Yes, that is the same girl. She's the brunette in Split. She's blonde in New Mutants. I didn't I didn't put that together. Yes, yeah, that's Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, so they started with those two, and New Mutants is one of my favorite comics, like, from back at the original run, which looked like they were going to stay close to something along those lines with the nightmarish grizzly bear appearing briefly in the trailer and there was even rumors that this was gonna get an r rating um as a horror movie and a you know superhero movie and it was just like holy shit this looks awesome and then it gets delayed and i get a little bit depressed because they pushed it back to november and then it got delayed again and it was supposed to come out what was the date that it just got pushed off of uh, so it was originally for April. It went to February, then pushed. To, currently, it's set for August. Okay, so the, yeah, the rumors so, are it's going to get pushed from August. Right. So it just keeps getting pushed back. And you know what? Honestly, I don't care where or when I see this movie at this point. I just want to see it. Um, I think the. I don't know what the disagreement is. This movie seems like it's been done for a long time, and maybe. I just see the part of the article that says having issues agreeing on a final cut of the film to me means Josh Boone is pushing for a rated R horror film. And Fox is like, no, that's not going to sell. We want PG 13 something. Right. And they they don't realize that it would sell. And yeah, I mean, Logan, Deadpool, Deadpool two, like what the, and fuck? this was being made right off the heels of Logan. So this was yeah. trying to capitalize on that rated R feel. So yeah, be, well, half the be. kids Holy that are shit. in the end of Logan are new mutants. Like it's like, that's the other part of it too. You get these characters that, you know, at the end there become part of the new mutants team, specifically Richter at the end is the, the you guys probably don't remember it. If you, never really read much of the X-Force or New Mutants comics, but Richter is the one that can control the... Earthquakes. Earthquakes and the seismic shit and causes yeah. like the ground to swell up. And He's the oldest yeah. one of the kids at the end of Logan. I remember Richter, yeah. So, y- you had this start there, and then you had a lot of this going, and an R-rated horror movie with superheroes sounds like something fresh and new, which is what is needed. Like, we're inundated with so many of these movies that feel so similar, and we still enjoy them. But something new and fresh that still touches on a lot of the same notes would be incredible. To me. Yeah. And it's a psychological horror film. Like, I can tell you that just from knowing that they included the grizzly bear and all that and whatnot. It was going to be psychological horror. And maybe it has to do with the fact that, as strange as it is to say, that Wolfsbane's story can get quite sexual at times and maybe Hey-o. that's the r-rated um contingency that they're not happy about and i don't know what you're saying ooh about wolfsbane what, what's ooh like it, i said hey 
Oh, hail. I thought you said ooh. I was like, huh? like <laughs> ooh. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, like Wolfsbane's story can go that route. Um, cause I feel like for a really long time reading the comics, Wolfsbane was like pregnant and having pups. <laughs> um, is, is, it's a weird fucking set of circumstances with Wolfsbane and her children slash pups because she's, kind of a werewolf and it's i don't know it's fucking weird but yeah i recommend reading it because it's cool at the same time but it's weird um that may be kind of the uh dispute is over just how friggin weird new mutants can get i don't know part of me keeps thinking like you know fox might be realized well not realizing because it's been impending for a while but with the deal with Disney, they know they're not going to get any more X-Men movies. It's going to go to the to Marvel Studios. They're going to make the X-Men movies after this acquisition. So it just might get to the point where Fox doesn't give a shit anymore about these X-Men movies. Yeah. And really, if they're smart, they'd go into the mentality with even Dark Phoenix and be like, listen, we're, you know, we are not going to make any more X-Men movies after this. So let's just go balls to the wall and kill a bunch of people and like. Who gives a shit if any of these characters survive this movie because they're going to reboot them when we're done anyway. Right? So that would be a really fun mentality to have for something like Dark Phoenix or even New Mutants. Like, there's, You don't know if anyone's going to survive these movies because ultimately down the line in five years, they're going to all get rebooted anyway, <laughs> so who cares what happens to these ones? Which is part of what makes me sad being the casting for Magic and Wolfsbane are so perfect that they're going to... Yeah, that's like, fair. Yeah. It, like, it's... They, they're just going to have to recast them again into that role. I would hope. I mean, do you think we'll get a New Mutants movie under Disney? Well, here's the thing. So, it, whether you know a lot about magic or not, magic is a huge part of the Marvel Universe. Um, She is Colossus's sister, which could bring her into something just off of that. Um, And if we ever go down that road of Marvel having the X-Men, I bet you we'd get an X-Force movie. And New Mutants was kind of the predecessor to X-Force. Um, it's actually in starting in New Mutants 87 that X-Force begins to be formed. That's Cable's first appearance. Um, Deadpool's first appearance is in New Mutants number 98. And th th this is when X-Force starts to come together is at the end of the New Mutants and then they just kind of ended at 100 and picked up again the same storyline with X-Force number one. Gotcha. So okay. I may not anticipate seeing a New Mutants movie, but I would anticipate seeing X-Force, which is much of the same cast would be there. Yeah. If they chose. But X-Force has had many iterations and could go many directions. But... I think the best way to say it is maybe. Um, I, I could definitely see magic playing into it, especially with Doctor Strange being a big deal. Um, because she mostly deals with the Dark Dimension, with Limbo, with a lot of crossover with Doctor Strange. Her villains, the villains she fights off for the X-Men and whatnot, she teams with Doctor Strange quite a bit. Um, and they are the same. Like, she's fought Dormammu many times. She's, you know, Mephisto, Dormammu, a lot of the same people that Doctor Strange encounters. So does she. So. Yeah, at this point, we're just going to wait and see what they do with X-Men, because, 
I I can't see that being one of the first teams they do. Like I think they'll probably start with the core X Men group and maybe spin off from there. So maybe somewhere down the line you'll start seeing X Force or New Mutants after Marvel gets their hands on them. But I mean that's still you're still probably looking seven I, years out. Before I really we see hope something it's like not that. that far. But yeah, like I'll, I hope I'd it's be not. willing to. I'd be willing to bet that Foggy has scripts already stored away and ready to go on X Men. <laughs> But even still, like, you figure their release schedule, so they'd have to fit X-Men movies around all the other characters they've already sort of got plans for. They need something to fill in for Guardians 3. Which, I mean, that's still happening, so they're already probably shuffling that around with other release dates and stuff like that. But once the deal is official, in assuming it goes through this coming June, I'd say two years at the earliest that we will see an X-Men movie. I'm fine with two years. I'm not fine with seven, but I'm fine with two. Well, I think I'm not saying you're going to get your X Force movie. I'm saying like a core X Men movie. Oh yeah. Oh, you were saying team. seven years out for X Force. Yes. Oh, okay. I thought you meant just yeah. for X Men in general. I, I was saying like, uh, I hope not. Yeah, I think two <laughs> but, to three years after this acquisition is through, that we see a core X Men movie, and then they'd have to fit in any X Men spinoffs in between all the other stuff that's happening. So that's probably another two or three years after the the core X Men movie. Can we also make so a maybe, note that part of it is also, like, they they have a lot to fit in. Everybody's focused on X-Men a lot because of the movies out there. Yeah. They also have Fantastic Four to work in now, too. Yes, yes. And, it, like, fitting all this new stuff in to the existing universe, I think, has to happen slow. Because they're going to have to fit around Black Panther 2, a Black Widow movie that's supposedly in development, Doctor Strange 2, probably a Spider-Man 3... Captain Marvel 2, like, all and this stuff is going to happen. a bunch of stuff we don't know. Yeah. Like, is there going to be an Iron Man 4 surprise movie, or Cap 4, or Thor 4? Right. We don't know. <laughs> Thor 4. Thor 4. <laughs> uh, you know, so, right, I, I think there's a lot of world building left to do, and I think this actually lines up very well for them. Having the Fantastic Four and the X-Men to bring in when they're coming to a close of their first run here. Yeah. Then they can yeah. expand more and have lots of new characters to make it that are significantly popular with or without these movies. Yeah, I agree. Um, Andy, I want to get you in here. Any, th- any thoughts for New Mutants? Do you follow any of that stuff? Did you see the trailer that's I remember old? seeing the trailer. We talked about it, what, like, fucking, like, two years ago or some kind of shit. It was but, a while uh, ago, yeah. <laughs> it looked interesting to me then. Um, I... I'm, I'm kind of envisioning it being stuck in some sort of weird movie post-production limbo because Development of the deal. Hell. Yeah. Because of the, because of the deal. So I, I'm, I'd like to see it, but I don't know if we will. So you think it's more likely it will get a Hulu release or a theatrical release? Hulu. Unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, it is possible. They just cut the production budget off. <laughs> Said we're not giving you any more money. <laughs> Well, the other thing, too, is by the time, depending on when this comes out, if this, so if this was due in August and they delay it to October, November, that's technically after this deal with Disney would go through. So the X-Men would basically be Disney's at that point. When this goes through, Hulu is owned in thirds. Uh, NBC has a chunk, has a third. ABC Disney has a third. And Fox has a third. So when the deal goes through... Disney owns 66% of Hulu. <laughs> so that would make sense for them to put it on their own 
basically their own platform. Yeah. If it's just a throwaway movie where they don't know what to do with it, they would put it on a Disney-owned platform. Would we have the Disney streaming service at that point? No. Well, actually, it might be close to that because I guess fall of 2019, I think, is when they said that the Disney streaming service starts. Yeah. But at the same time, a lot of what we've heard for the Disney streaming service is it's going to be kid and family friendly. I don't think anything over PG-13 would be released on that service. So if they are going for an R-rated New Mutants cut, the majority-owned Hulu by Disney might be the way to put it out there. So you're getting it out on a technically Disney service, but it's more adult fare. There's no parents bitching that their child accidentally watched it on the Disney streaming service. Right, right. (laughs) Everything here is supposed to be safe for my child, and this wasn't. Well. So, yeah, I I feel like all that stuff lines up. I think Hulu is a safe bet for this. I'd agree. Makes would me I sad. like to see it on? The, yeah, I'd like to see it on the big screen, but I mean, who it, knows? Maybe they'll do both, like just a limited theatrical run for like two weeks or something. But it's also released on Hulu right around the same time, because there are some movies that have done that. I, and obviously, this movie has not been marketed very well. If we sort of not that you guys forgot about it, but I think a lot of people did since the trailer came out so long ago. I think a lot of people thought this movie is probably dead. So it'll be interesting to see if the marketing for this ramps up with, by the end of the year. And we'll have to keep an eye on where it ends up. Uh, just to in, at least inform any interested in parties. Um, anything else for this one? Tear. <laughs> um, Alright, moving on to another franchise. Uh, if you've listened to our Favorite movies of 2018 podcast, I think you'll know that Mission Impossible Fallout hits a lot of our lists from the last year. Uh, This franchise has really hit its stride. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, which technically is Mission Impossible 5, had longtime Tom Cruise collaborated Chris McQuarrie write and direct that movie. Every other Mission Impossible movie up through 5 has been directed by a different director. That was Tom Cruise's thing. He wanted to switch it up every movie. Well, he must have thought Rogue Nation worked really well because he got McQuarrie to come back to write and direct Fallout, which was the last one that came out, Mission Impossible 6. Um, McQuarrie, if you listen to him talk about that movie, tried to make it seem like it was a different director. He went in with a different style. He hired an entirely new crew, so he was not working with anyone that was the same on Rogue Nation. It was completely different people for Fallout to try to keep that template going. Uh, And those two movies have made a shit ton of money. So I guess given the success of those, I know McQuarrie has been constantly asked if he will be back to finish his Mission Impossible trilogy to come back and write and direct Mission Impossible 7. Uh, McQuarrie confirmed himself on Twitter that he will be back for Mission Impossible 7 and also Mission Impossible 8. Whoa, slow down, buddy. Slow down. Very simple tweet. He said missions, plural, accepted. And then news broke that he will be back for 7 and 8. They will shoot back-to-back and will release 2021 and 2022. They are planning mm. release dates around t- the Top Gun sequel. Ah, okay. That makes sense. And I think they're trying to get Tom Cruise to do all these stunts before he gets too old. <laughs> so, because he he's getting up there in age. I mean, he can still do it if you've watched Fallout. Holy shit, could he still do it, but... There's going to be I a think- point where he starts breaking his hip. Yeah, it's a it's a ticking clock at this point, I think. But 
So I think they they might feel a little bit safer if they're shooting them back to back. But considering I wasn't sure if he was going to come back for seven to see him signed on for seven and eight, like they must have something really cool, some big idea that they want to do with that. And that makes me really excited. So I don't know how you guys feel. Are you guys excited about this news? I'm not sure I saw six. Six was Fallout. That was the most recent one that came out this year. Yep, didn't last see it. year. Didn't see okay. it. Heard it highly, was highly recommended. Oh my yes. god! Everyone, everyone that has seen the movie is like, "Holy fucking shit!" How have you not fucking seen this movie? <laughs> so, have you seen all the other ones up until that point? Uh, I'm fuzzy on three and four. Ghost Protocol was four, and Ghost Protocol was good. Three was okay. See, I'm a I'm a supporter of three. I was really, three, really three. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes. Yes. Okay. I did see three. Okay. What was two? Two was the John Woo one. Two was not good. With the Limp Biscuit theme song and everything. Oh, yeah. I, I saw that one, too. <laughs> I've, uh, I, I actually was... own all of them, but it, I, two and three are hard to watch for me. What? And then four was what? Ghost Protocol. That's when Jeremy Renner came in. Oh, okay. So you saw that one? Maybe. <laughs> You just saw the trailer. So it's for the that one movie. where he's on you, the building in Dubai and he's climbing it with like the gloves. Suction cups? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I saw that one. Um, and five. Rogue Nation was. Jer- Jeremy Renner was in that one again. Yeah, Jeremy Renner was back. Alec Baldwin's in that one. Yeah. Alec and they, he was in some sort of courtroom. Yes. Mm hmm. I may have seen that one. Is that the one where Tom Cruise is like going around in like this weird water vortex safe thing yes yes yep yes. saw that one that was an all right awesome so you scene. are caught up except for the last one michael nyquist is in there right yes okay I holy shit brian's I think I have looking like michael Ny- <laughs> like who is michael nyquist i think is i know the name didn't immediately jump out to me <laughs> um he was from the girl with the dragon tattoo movies that were the swedish versions the swedish is versions yeah. kind of where he got his so who does he name. play in mission impossible who is he the bad uh, guy no he's <laughs> Well, no, no, no. He's not the prime minister. Is that who we're talking about? No, no. Yeah, the prime minister is that little dude with the curly hair. Yeah. No, 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 no. M- Michael Nyquist plays the guy that actually robs the Kremlin. Uh, okay. That's good. Wait, that's Ghost Protocol. Is that's, it? That's four. Yes. Okay, then he was in. Goes protocol because that's him. He's the one okay. that that steals the thing they go in for, and outwits them there. Yeah, Michael Nyquist was also uh, um, in John Wick. Yes. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now that I know, now that I know what he looks like, yes, I can place him on other things. Yeah. All right, Andy. So yeah, you're pretty considering you you are normally far behind on movies you only got one to catch up to for this so that's pretty I good I, i'm actually like kind of cheesing a little bit that's, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's definitely whatever you got to do to get there and you'll, you'll love it there's no way not to like that movie like you you have to be i don't know the least blind. yeah like <laughs> like blind emotionless boring you can't you have to be one of those people what are they called that just hate everything. Pessimists. No, pessimists just see the downside and like the negativity and. That's and, fair. 
I, yeah, I don't know what word you're looking for. I can't place it. Well, I wanted to confirm. I'm looking at the list. We all uh, the four of us that were on the top movies of 2018. All of us had Mission Impossible Fallout in our top ten. Mm-hmm. How high did it go? Uh, it made it as high as number two on someone's list. Who who so. does number two work for? Uh, in this case, he works for Josh. Yeah. Surprising. I was surprised that made Josh's two. I would not have anticipated that. I would. Yeah. If you told me afterwards it made somebody's two, I would have said it was you. But. Yes, I yeah, it was high on my list. I don't think it it didn't crack. Did it top the crack five? Top, uh, crack the top five. Top the crack five. <laughs> it did crack my top five. Yes, it was four for me. Yeah, I, I think it was number nine on mine. So, uh, you know. Yeah, I think it was it was the lowest on your list. Well, I I made a point of saying at the beginning my top five was a coin flip, and yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's another homework assignment for you, Andy. Fallout. Check it out. Fallout the game? Fa- I, I played Fallout Fallout 4. That's pretty good. You could, <laughs> Don't you could play do that, the new but... one. Oh, I I refuse to play Fallout 76 because of my horrible uh, interactions with Sea of Thieves. So, uh, no. <laughs> Fuck that. I, I read there is so many bugs and glitches in it that it's bad even by Bethesda's yeah, standards. And I, so. I heard that they just had an update that fucked things up even worse so <laughs> not yeah. to get like sidetracked or anything but andy have you played sea of thieves since no fuck rant? no <laughs> <laughs> and i've wanted to too i'd be like oh wouldn't it be great no because fuckers are gonna chase me around for a goddamn hour on my fucking ship <laughs> and i won't be able to fucking do what i want to do because they're fucking chasing me and then the shark <laughs> will eat me and then they'll blow up my ship and fuck that does not sound fun at all <laughs> no it's horrible Again, we need the segment. Andy reviews video games. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be great. Um, but yeah, so anything, anything for Mission Impossible Seven and Eight? I'm, I'm really excited about this. I think McQuarrie is a very good director. Um, at the, at the very least, if you, I, I think I said this when we talked about the movies on the uh, top ten of 2018. But he gives really good insight to how movies are made. And he's done some really, really long fucking podcast interviews that, if you are curious, they are like three hours long, where he just talks about how they got ideas for things, how they created certain sequences, the logistics that go into all that stuff. It's really interesting to hear about that stuff, because it seems like they, at least, especially for Rogue Nation and Fallout, that he's basically flying by the seat of his pants and kind of making this up as he goes. So the, the fact that these movies are so fucking good is amazing to me. Well... Last thing I would say about it is uh, I'm probably going to watch Fallout again tonight after the podcast. I actually have plans to watch it tomorrow with a few friends that have not seen it yet, so I am looking forward to that. (laughs) So, Andy, if you want to come by and join in, we'll be at my place. It's on DVD already, I think. Yeah. Yep. Give it a rent. Um, Yeah, so I think just because this, like, I've been excited for this franchise and, and the fact that it made it high enough on everybody's 2018 list. I was like, well, this is good enough news. I think to, to bring up, to keep people uh, in the loop for what's going on with this one. I'm a little surprised they're shooting it back to back, but I guess, yeah, that makes sense to just capitalize on the, uh, you know, since it's really popular right now and it's still making it definitely making it's, it's almost like the fast and furious franchise where it's like the more they make, the more money the franchise makes, which is weird, but yeah, 
like, you know, back when two came out, I wouldn't have pegged this as the franchise that's going to keep going for eight movies. But hey, more power to them. They're fucking, fucking great. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll move on to the next one. So this is all right. So this is a topic that I I mentioned at the top of the show that, you know, the the one headline that got me so excited that I'm already counting down until next summer. I feel like this kind of came out of the blue. Um, the there's a headline from Entertainment Weekly that caught my attention. Apparently. Sony is moving forward with another Ghostbusters movie. So not only that, but the movie is going to be directed by Jason Reitman, which is this, he is the son of original director Ivan Reitman. Jason Reitman is also listed as the co-screenwriter with, I don't know how to say this guy's name, Gil Kennan, who directed the animated movie Monster House and directed the Poltergeist remake. Um, Jason is quoted as saying, this is the next chapter in the original franchise. It is not a reboot. What happened in the eighties happened in the eighties. This is set in present day, which means this is essentially Ghostbusters three. Yes. None of the original cast have been confirmed to come back. Although I imagine everyone probably will come back. The only question mark is Bill Murray. Um, it is also said the movie will be passing the torch in Reitman's story. They are looking to cast... For teenage actors, two boys, two girls, um, and probably what is the biggest surprise in this story, is aside from the fact that we're getting a movie, is that there's already a freaking official teaser trailer for it, and it's set to release next summer. It is coming out 2020 in the summer, a year and a half away. Like, the, this, the fact that this seems to be happening this quickly fucking blew my mind, but... Uh, so Andy, we'll throw it off to you first. What do you, what do you think about all this? Um, I'm excited as hell because I, I feel like I didn't really care for the uh, most recent Ghostbusters movie. That's so right. Much. You and I and Steph did the review for yeah, that. That's right. Yeah, it, it had its moments, and you know, I like most of the people that were in it and whatnot, but it just felt like more of an SNL thing than it did a Ghostbusters thing yeah um I'm really pumped the the, they even had the freaking music in the in the teaser trailer yes I was like oh yes that trailer hit like every nostalgic note that you want from a Ghostbusters movie yeah I think it's cool creepy it used the original score there's the original sound effects there's a little bit of the original like clear slime in there and it's the OG Ecto One under the tarp. Yeah, like it. It checked all those boxes. Yep. I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm pumped. And the fact that you know, Ivan Reitman's son is the one. I think he's got to be one of the ones that's gonna be as true to, to what his dad did, right? From what I read, he spent a lot of his childhood on the sets for those movies. Like, with his now, dad, so like, be, on the set while was, they were filming those movies. He was there the whole time, and so... I was going to throw this up as a trivia question, but if you're reading that part of the article, you might know the answer already, Mike. Um, then I, Jason Reitman is in Ghostbusters 2. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you know his cameo in, the, in that movie? I did read that part. I will let Andy... Andy, do you know the answer to that trivia uh, question? No. It has to do with the birthday party. At the beginning of Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> Is he the one that tells him to, like, 
That his, he, he his dad to, he, says they're full of crap. Yeah. <laughs> that is Jason Reitman. Okay. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's even more fun that he's been in the movie and now he's going to direct one. Mm-hmm. Has he, does he have directing credits? Yes. He's done a lot of indie stuff. Um, which, so this might be his like first like big yeah. movie. I want to double check his directing credits because I feel like he might do more than I think. Um, so go ahead and well, while I look this up, I I'll, feel I'll, like I'll jump in. for me the biggest thing is, you know, like I, I I don't know how I feel about them wanting to hand the torch. Um, I know that I know why they're going that route, but I personally would have preferred a conclusion to their storyline to to the story of you know ray and peter and winston obviously we're not getting well i mean we would get a conclusion to egon's story in this but not the conclusion we would want um i i I, that's that's one of the things about it that makes me nervous is i don't necessarily know that i want the torch handed off just the same that made me nervous ahead of the other ghostbusters reboot whatever that was I didn't feel like anybody else should touch it and be the Ghostbusters. Makes me nervous. We'll see how they do, who they cast, how it goes. I'm open-minded, so we'll see. The other thing for me that's really big is everybody, I mean, if we're being honest about this, Dan Aykroyd is going to do this. 100%. 100%. He's been campaigning for this for years. Um, and So can I sidetrack you real quick? Sure. There's There was articles like, I don't know, a couple months ago that I'd seen sort of get around the internet, but nobody made a big deal about it because Dan Aykroyd talks about another Ghostbusters movie. He's been talking about that for years. But he's basically said, like, yeah, I'm in another Ghostbusters movie. We're making another one. But this was months ago. No one thought anything of it because Dan Aykroyd talks up these Ghostbusters movies for so long, but he was probably referring to this movie. But everyone just played it off like, oh, Aykroyd's talking about Ghostbusters again. Just let him ramble on about it. Right. And I I think you and I talked about it then. Like, I I believe we talked about it briefly when it came up, like when he said that then. And we kind of said like, ah, yeah, like it would be cool, but Bill Murray's not going to do it. He always says that. And yet here's yeah. Dan Aykroyd saying this and we're like, hmm, okay. So maybe they've been working on this longer than they're leading on. Um, but considering it's a year and a half away, they had to have. Yeah. So to me, like, like I was saying, Dan Aykroyd, not going to be hard. He's definitely going to do this. Ernie Hudson. Yeah. Throw him a ham sandwich. He will jump at the chance. What else has the guy got going on? Pretty sure he's already been on Twitter saying, "Yep, I'm ready for the call." Right, exactly. Like he's he's going to answer that call. My and I'm sure Annie Potts and Rick Moranis will absolutely hop right into it. And yeah, be Rick Moranis just recently uh, unretired, right? Yeah. Oh, did he? I, th- I I thought he was still retired, so I wasn't sure if they'd be able to get him. But if I, he's I if he's he, unretired, I thought he was doing some, some like bit roles in a TV show, but I can't remember what TV show it was. Yeah, okay. And I think he would just do it for that, for for this, and then go right back, even if that was going to be the case. I feel like he would es- hop at it and be like... Especially if they kept him as a Ghostbuster. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Right? Because he is at the end of two. Yeah. Exactly. And 
And then there, to me, there's the big question. If they get Bill Murray, can they get Sigourney Weaver to do it? Because one way or another, everything that goes on in these movies happens to Dana. And yeah. I feel like that, to me, would be something that I want to see in the third one is that something happens to her again. And whatever that might be, have her be the center of it yet again. Because that's <laughs> like one... the way it goes. And I, I think that would be cool. And I think the the tension and the back and forth between Sigourney Weaver and Bill Murray on screen is something that we really haven't seen since. Yeah. Um, one thing I remember Sigourney Weaver talking about when they were talking about, I feel like a Ghostbusters three before the reboot talk and stuff, they were just talking about another Ghostbusters movie. Um, I feel like she'd always talked about, well, the logical next step for a Ghostbusters movie would be to have her son, Oscar be a Ghostbuster. I like it. Which, and especially to your point, if all this shit keeps happening to Dana, to have her son be a Ghostbuster that then has to save his mother, there's a story right there. You should write these movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, honestly, Oscar better be in this movie. We don't, we don't, like, we don't have to have the baby that was Oscar be in the movie, but Oscar, right, the character, right. had better damn well be in this movie. His mother better mm-hmm. be in the movie. Peter better be in the movie. Because assuming where Ghostbusters 2 left off, where Pete Vankman and, and Dana Barrett get together and help raise Oscar, Oscar would be around that Ghostbusters stuff since he was little, so he would logically be become part of the team. I was going to say, he could be the replacement for Egon in all the years in between. Once yeah. he became an adult, Egon died, taught him, and this kid's grown up learning all this stuff, so he'd be just as sciencey and nerdy into it as Egon was. Because he'd have a full childhood worth of learning about it where you soak up the most of everything. <laughs> yeah, so depending on how you want to paint that character, yeah, you could, he could fit any of those roles. And let's not forget that he'd be like 30 at this time. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. So I guess I don't, if they're actually looking for teenage actors that want to be part of the team, maybe Oscar wouldn't be part of the team, like the, the core four, but he could be there helping the team. Maybe he would be the member of the core four that is there, but isn't one of the teens that they're passing the torch to. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, there's so many questions and variables here, and I don't know why they're looking for teens to pass the torch to. Well, I think Sony's looking for a franchise. If they, if they, if this works. You have a younger cast of characters that can carry this franchise forward for 10, 15 years. Yeah, but I mean, you have that if you have somebody that's in their 30s, too. I, not, I feel like not the way people see that. Unless unless they want unknown actors. That could be another reason why they're going... Like, you, you bring back the core original guys as your star power. Yeah. And you bring in a whole new cast of characters that you hopefully people fall in love with, and then they continue that franchise. Like, you know, it's like Star Wars casting... Ray, Finn, Poe, these are new characters that no one knew. I mean, maybe some of the act, like Oscar Isaac, I guess, was up and coming at that point. Yeah, but... people knew him, but not the other two. Yeah. And not and, really Adam you know, Driver, either. Right. So people really attached to those characters, and now they want to see where they go. That's their, I think, their game plan for this movie, and those, whoever fills those roles. 
Well, I mean, Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver signed on for that uh, trash can fire of a movie, what, a couple of years ago, so I can't imagine they wouldn't sign on for this one. Yeah, the difference being those were only cameos. Yeah. But maybe they want to write the ship now, you know? They, like... I would hope they care that much about it that they want to be Yeah, I mean, they were probably in the movie watching it going, like, in the theater watching it going, like, what the fuck? Why, why, uh... Son of a... Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I looked this up. We're going to come back to it now. Director credits for Ivan Reitman, or uh, Jason Reitman. Um, Thank You for Smoking Oh, was his first basic, uh, first full-length movie. Is that the one with Aaron Eckhart? Yes. Yes. Okay. Second full-length movie, Juno. Okay. Not bad. Um, he's got some other movies in there that I don't really know. His latest one was The Front Runner, that Hugh Jackman movie about the presidential candidate. Didn't see that yet. Or, or Senator. I don't know. That was that was an award show buzz movie. I heard that. I thought it was nominated for some stuff. Hmm. Um, oh, I guess last year he did release a movie called Tully with uh, Charlize Theron, which I don't know too much about. Never heard of it. Um, so that's recently, and those are some of the movies he started with. Okay. Nothing bad there. So he's got there. more directing credits than I thought. Yeah. And it, it, but I think a lot of it is indie stuff that I don't really know what it is. I mean, the things I do know, nothing bad, you know? A couple episodes of The Office. Two episodes of The Office. Does it say names of the episodes? Frame Toby <laughs> and local ad. He filmed the Frame Toby episode? Yes. In the local ad episode. Okay. You know what? I, I'm on board. <laughs> right there, I could be on board with the comedy he can present. Because I love The Office, and I, mean, I, even I know just those episodes. I thinking of, like, like, Juno. Like, the sense of humor in Juno. I could see that working for Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you're unaware, the Frame Toby episode is the one when Toby returns back from Costa Rica and... The famous Michael Scott screaming no meme occurs. <laughs> that That is the Frame Toby episode. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I know there's so much more I want to talk about with this. I, I feel like I have so much I want to get off my chest and I can't think of where I want to go. Uh, so, okay, so I already feel like like as much as I like this announcement, I feel like there's a lot of people that are going to take the wrong thing away from this announcement. That basically Sony deciding to move forward with a proper Ghostbuster sequel makes it look like the internet trolls in Man Babies won against the female Ghostbusters. That they're that they're bullying of that movie made this movie happen. I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, I guess it's the it's the same discussion we've had before. I think that movie failed, not because of the vocal minority that screamed women can't be Ghostbusters, but because that movie, for at least for my money, did not acknowledge the previous films. It rebooted the universe, yet told a story that was very similar to the original, went largely in the same direction, but in my opinion, wasn't funny. Mm. It wasn't... Here's the thing. Um, it's Ghostbusters is a dark comedy. It, ha it doesn't have the overtly funny, slapstick, stupid shit that you get in some horror films. And that is almost the direct route they went in that remake. And it didn't feel anything at all like it belonged as a Ghostbusters movie. 
Yeah. You could have called that anything else, taken the logos off of their uniforms, and I would have not made the connection. Um, and that's... I could go on about that movie and why I don't like it a lot, but it didn't... It didn't hit the notes, and, you know, like, it's no offense. Kristen Wiig is hilarious. Melissa McCarthy's hilarious. These women are funny. But they are not the same kind of funny that you get out of Harold Ramis and Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd, and it's just not the same tone. They're not the same type of comedians. And I feel like that is where they tripped up. Um, plus just poor storytelling in general. Oh yeah. No, I mean like the the, the whole story of like the ghost and all that being whatever the fuck that was, was awful. Like the ghost, the the ghost in that movie was terrible. The main ghost, whatever its name was, that, that was awful. And like, I can think of one thing in that movie that i genuinely liked and that was chris hemsworth you know like yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. you know or aquariums like submarines for fish um <laughs> like okay he was funny um it, it, but the rest of it it just it failed for its own reasons it, it wasn't it wouldn't have mattered if that was four guys four women for Martians, it wouldn't have mattered who was the lead roles in that movie. That movie was going to fail. And that's, I think, sort of one of the points I kind of want to make, and maybe a question I want to ask you guys. So, if they're talking about the leads for this movie being two guys and two girls, how do you think this movie is actually going to be received? Like, do you think this will be... Do I guess this is sort of like the litmus test for this movie. It is essentially Ghostbusters 3, continuing where 2 left off. So we're getting... What I, th- I, me personally, what I wanted from a Ghostbusters movie after Ghostbusters Two, like a straight up sequel. Mm-hmm. I didn't really care for the cast and what what they were trying to do. But if there actually are enough people out there that think women can't be Ghostbusters, even if this movie continues that continuity, yet they are casting two female leads amongst this cast, do you think there will still be people that are going to bitch about this movie and not go see it? Depends on the movie. If you make a movie good enough, people won't notice. But I mean, uh, for as much hate as just that other Ghostbusters movie got, just because there were female leads in that movie. These days, the internet trolls come out anytime something is perceived by them to be equal um, and done for that purpose. Like, if they see, if they perceive anything as being like, oh, they're only doing it that way so that women can get the leg up or something, they come out and they go crazy over something. In this case, um, maybe, maybe not. I don't, I don't, they, I don't think they would come out so much against a mixed cast as they would against an all-female cast. Um, of course, I guess what I could see doing is maybe they don't come out against the mixed cast, but specifically target the women and give them crap for being in this movie. I would not be surprised if something I, like that happened. It's the internet, man. I don't put anything past anybody anymore. And well, yeah. anything that gets made now, somebody's bitching about it. Yeah. And that's the honest truth. Is there's always going to be those people that bitch. Are they going to, you know, negative review spam it or anything like that? Probably not. Um, 
I think because I feel like a lot of the internet, like the the vocal part of the internet, was that you know women can't be Ghostbusters. This is the big thing. That's what was getting headlines. It's the yeah. vocal part of the internet. It's a minority, but it's the most vocal part. Reading at that time, I feel like what people were thinking of that Ghostbusters movie, reacting to that trailer, there were a lot of people I felt like that fell in line with me that they were upset not because it's a it's a female cast of Ghostbusters, but because it is specifically a reboot. Yeah. When there was no necessary reason for it to be a reboot. Right. You could continue that story that happened in the 80s and just make a new movie, which is what we all wanted. And pass the torch. I feel like a, right. A passing of the torch movie is the next logical step for an old cast of characters that can't be in these franchises anymore. Is to get a younger cast to keep it going, continue that story. There are smart ways to do that. And that was my biggest bitch about that Ghostbusters reboot movie is that I felt like there was a lot smarter ways to craft a story. Even you could use that same cast of characters, but set it in present day, following Ghostbusters two, and just have the old guys hand to a cast of female Ghostbusters, and you have a better movie. I agree, and I mean it makes me nervous because for the same reason I said at the beginning, um, because I would prefer this to just be a conclusion. Um, I would prefer end the story with the original Ghostbusters. Just, you know, draw a, some kind of conclusion out of it. And they don't want to do that. They want to pass the torch. Fine. Will the internet well, can't, trolls... Can't they, Go ahead. Can't they do both? They can end their story and start a new one in the same movie, couldn't they? True. Which I feel like what's probably going to happen. I feel like that's what they're gearing towards. Well, and even that said, with... To, to your question with the internet trolls and all that coming out and going crazy on the movie, um, I see the potential for it if Bill Murray's not involved. I think that's what'll well, yeah, trigger they're, they're, it. They're gonna win a lot of good sure. races on the internet if he if he decides to come into it. Right. If Bill Murray's there, people are not gonna be willing to touch it. They're not gonna want to go after it because they're gonna say, Well, if Bill Murray's involved We'll deal with it. Whatever it, it must be good yeah. because he wouldn't go in if it wasn't gonna be. So I think when if they announce like, "Hey, we got Bill Murray," then that'll silence it all. Yeah, I think all will be forgiven at that if point. If they announce, "Oh, Bill Murray's not in this movie," you may as well prepare for World War Three on that movie. <laughs> like, and I'll yeah. be on board with the. Like that, like the <laughs> hate for it, because it's wabbit <laughs> season. Like as much as I'd love to see him continue Peter Venkman to be in this movie, I really don't think he's necessary. Especially if they are doing a storyline that's going to pass the torch. I don't know how much he'd be in it anyway. If they're going to try to focus on a new cast of characters. See, that's the thing is, I'm hoping maybe that that'll they be enough of a draw to get him in on the new cast of characters. I'm hoping they focus on the old cast. In the and pass the torch like right towards yeah, the end. fifth act passing of the torch. Yep. But see, that kind of defeats of a pass defeats the purpose of a pass the torch story. Is you need to get to know these new characters so that when the pass the torch happens, you give a shit what happens after. Well, that. then do fifty fifty. Half the movie is old guys, and half the movie is the new guys. Well, you think about how Force Awakens opened. That was a pass the torch movie, and you don't see the returning characters until a third of the way into the movie. You follow the new guys the entire movie. It just so happens that they cross paths with the original cast of characters. So by the time you get to the end of Force Awakens, you are on board with this new cast. 
hell, by the time we get to the end of The Force Awakens, we still hadn't seen Luke. But <laughs> but, that too. but I don't feel like this is the same, though. I don't, I don't feel like it can be the same. Well, the, I guess the difference is that it like the, the way the Star Wars has been passing the torch, kind of, is they're giving, at least the, that seemed to be the plan, each one of these movies was giving one original character, one original trilogy cast member, their own sort of send-off. To your point with the Ghostbusters movie, we're not going to get three other movies that are going to give, you know, Ray Stans a send-off. And then well, the, and there's, Winston's there's no need for that off. either. It, but right. I also think so, it's just different in that the world is different that they're in, in that, you know, what the Ghostbusters have done would be worldwide news at this point. You know, like, everybody knows who the Ghostbusters are. And maybe 30 years down the line, people are thinking, maybe we don't need them anymore. The ghosts haven't been around in a while or something. Maybe that's the route they play. And these kids start to experience something separately and somehow, you know, like, it ends up tying back in. Like, wait, these guys still exist. Maybe we should ask them for advice or get them involved or try and convince them that something's actually happening. And they, you know, go that route. I don't know. But whatever it is, I think it's a definitely a different kind of thing where they're not going to happen upon Han Solo. You know what I mean? By accident right. or. Yeah. I think that the way the force awakens works for, for the star, for that story, for that star Wars story, I think they can do it differently. Like I do think you can open with ghostbusters as you know, following the original guys that you're right. Maybe they just, they're getting too old. They can't do it. And maybe they just put up a, you know, we're hiring sign for something and you just get kids off the street. And then you get to know those kids as they're learning the Ghostbusters trade. Uh, that's how we got Winston. Yeah. They could they could use that same exact storytelling technique to get new characters in there. I mean, but yeah, that's this is all speculation at this point. But I do want to ask one question that sort of spins from this. Uh, is there anything we can read into about the plot of this next movie from the teaser? Or do you think the teaser's just to hit on all those nostalgic notes. Like, do you think there's a reason in this story that the Ecto-1 is in a barn with a tarp over it not being used and someone seems to be tinkering with a proton pack? I think what I said is that they were worldwide news back in the 80s and all that stuff happened and it's gone quiet since then. So they put, you know, they put Vigo down and all this, you know, they fucking spray all of New York with the pink goo and they they do that whole deal, and then now nothing's happened. And so the Ecto-1's just been sitting there, and sitting there, and sitting there, and gathering rust, and whatever. And, you know, maybe... Maybe it's Oscar who's tinkering with, with the Proton Pack. Maybe it's Ray. I don't think it would be Vankman. Um... I don't think it would be Winston. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, I don't. I don't guy. think it would be Winston or Venkman, but it could be Ray. It could be Oscar. It could be a new character. Um, Rick Moranis. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, he's the type of character that blow his face <laughs> off if he tries to mess with the proton pack, right? But I could see him messing with one just for the fuck of it. S- somehow locking himself <laughs> in the barn. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I-, I think there's a lot of ways that could go. But I think that's the general idea is that, you know, they've been... I think that 
could be how they play it is that they're out of action for a long, long time and something happens in their back. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good the way mayor, to the story. The mayor comes calling uh, back. We need the Ghostbusters. I hope it's the same mayor from the original the original two. Somehow still in office 20 years <laughs> yes. later. Yes. <laughs> 30, though. 30. <laughs> oh, that's right. Shit. Jesus Christ, I can't add. Um, I don't think... Andy, you... any story ideas I, I, from the trailer or anything? Uh, Where do you think it go? Anything you're expecting? No, I mean, obvi- it's pretty obvious that Ecto hasn't been used, so I, I'm. it's probably something like Mike's saying, you know, things have gone quiet and haven't there hasn't been a need for it yeah um yeah, i thought it was uh i don't know if i would call it suspicious but the music was definitely from the first one yeah yeah you know i'd have to go i, I haven't watched ghostbusters 2 as much as i have ghostbusters 1 so i i can't honestly remember if that score is used at all in ghostbusters 2 Right, so I'm wondering if it maybe has to do something with crossing the streams and the, uh, um, you know, choose the form of your destructor and all that fun stuff. I wonder if they did actually, you know, destroy her. We get another Stay Puffed. Well, no, uh, no, that not not that one, but the the <laughs> the woman god. I can't remember what it goes. Gozer. Gozer. Are you a god? Yeah, I'm anxious. Or okay. um, maybe she's got a, a sister. Gosette? <laughs> or, or a brother or something. Gozeo? <laughs> Just keep going, Mike. Well, he's what gonna make got to make another suggestion. <laughs> Uncle? Gozario? <laughs> Father? Uh, Goza? Second, like if they don't... second cousin on the mother's side. Uh, th- that's that's Lita. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I feel like if they don't cast Rosario Dawson for Gozeria, <laughs> like it has to fit. Um, to your question, by the way, David Margulies, the actor that played the mayor, died. Twenty sixteen. Uh, CG him like Tarkin. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. It's Rogue One, that shit. He's that uh, the, important. The man who played, well, the I guess he's a man now, who played uh, baby Oscar is Henry J. Deutschendorf second. Yeah, there were twins, I think, that, that played him. Uh, no, this just lists one. But, well, maybe, yeah, I think Does he was a twin. I don't know. Weird. I think he has a twin, but they're only listing him as the cast. So maybe only one of them was a confirmed actor or took up acting after that. I don't know. Perhaps, but he has not acted since then. No. <laughs> <laughs> that is his only credit, is as baby Oscar. Um, so. So I wouldn't no, expect him no, back. He's, no. But you do, you, do you know who I expect to be back? Peter McNichol. Slimer? Yes, <laughs> Slimer. Considering he he even made his way into the, the the female Ghostbusters, he's better be in this one too, right? Yeah, Slimer's got to show up somewhere. Slimer was like a Ghostbuster sidekick, even on the cartoon. He was a good guy. Oh, the, yeah, he he was awesome in the cartoon. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I need another something to happen with Slimer and Ray, and just like like Venkman, Ray, Slimer, something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm so anxious to see where this goes. I can't wait to see casting announcements for this, like a, pro- a proper trailer. I want it, even just a taste of what this story is going to give us. Even though, like, we we might have general broad strokes of what to expect here, I still I'm anxiously waiting to see where this movie goes. This is, like I said, this is already it's definitely going to hit my anticipated for 2020, hands down. I don't know how high, depending on what Marvel movies come out. Yeah, we, we've got a lot to still to know about next year that we don't know yet. So. Uh, one thing I will say, uh, for anyone that wants to get their Ghostbusters fix between now and then, for God's sakes, download and play Ghostbusters the video game that had the original cast of characters in that game. That, for all intents and purposes, was Ghostbusters 3 prior to this announcement. They had the original cast back. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. In part, it was in part written by Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd. That was the one that was released on PS3 and Xbox 360. Yes, it's a couple generations Is there backwards compatibility point. on this? For Xbox, it is, yes, because I downloaded it and I have it on okay. my Xbox One. Then it is a it strong possibility. No, have you I not played, played it, it, Mike? Oh, for God's sake, please play it. I've that. only ever seen maybe like the first level being played, and I've never played it myself. The, the banter that happens in that game is on par with the movie. I've laughed a lot playing that game. I've played through that game numerous times. Okay. They they tie off a lot of is story Is it the same, it, like they got Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and all them to voice act it? Yes. Okay, yes. I'm going to play it. I didn't, yes. I didn't realize that. Everybody is it. back. Annie Potts is back. The entire forecast of Ghost. Will, William Atherton is there. Walter Peck is back. <laughs> wait, William, oh my God, William Atherton? Seriously? I was trying to remember who he yes. was, and I'm like, wait. The oh God. Yeah, the mayor puts him in charge to oversee the Ghostbusters, so that is yes, a fun dynamic that's right. for the story. Oh, of this man know. has no dick. <laughs> He's the one responsible for like the damage that they cause. He has to be the one to tell them to stop it because they're costing the city too much money. Oh God. That's awesome. All right, yeah, I'm all right. Yes. The game is highly recommended and even I think I've talked about it before. The IDW Ghostbusters comic book series takes place it it actually I think essentially continues where the story of the video game leaves. Hmm. Like the video game introduces a character called the Rookie, which is who you play. The Ghostbusters look for a fifth ghostbusting member. And Right at the start of the game, Ray's trying to ask this guy, "What's your name?" And Venkman's like, "Don't tell us your name. You you're you might be short lived to this world because you're testing new equipment. You could blow up. We don't want to get too attached." So the guy is only ever known as the rookie. He never talks in the course of the game. But <laughs> at the end of the game, the rookie goes off to start a Ghostbusters franchise. So franchises of Ghostbuster teams pop up around the United States. There's one in L.A. There becomes one in Chicago. There's the core team in New York. The Ghostbusters comic book series starts picking up as the Ghostbusters are franchised and stuff happens around the globe. And there's a lot of cool tie-ins to other uh, Ghostbusters lore. Um, I've got a couple trades where, you know, just like any comic book story, the they open up portals to other dimensions and stuff like that. So the, the movie Ghostbusters cross over with the animated real Ghostbusters in the comic books, which is fun. <laughs> And one of the more recent ones they've done is where they ripped open a hole in the universe where the original movie Ghostbusters cross paths with the female Ghostbusters, which is one of the better storylines they've done. 
And that alone could be a potential for some sort of crossover down the line, because the banter that they write for these characters to play off of each other is great. So I'd, I'd something I'd like to see, too. So if you want more Ghostbuster stuff, I'd highly recommend the video game and the comic book series. Definitely check those out. So that is my Ghostbusters PSA for, for this episode. Um, all right, on to some video game news. So the first one I have uh, is something we've talked about before, um, that there were rumors about possibility of being able to play games with your friends, regardless of the platform they own. So conceivably, if you own an Xbox and your friend owned a PS4, if you both own the same game on your respective console, you'd be able to play together. Uh, it seemed like the PC crowd and Microsoft and Nintendo were all on board for this. Sony seemed to be the holdout. Um, but within the last, I don't know, week or two, whatever, whenever this broke, uh, Crossplay took its first steps forward with its first game. Uh, Sony has allowed Rocket League to be played cross-platform on any platform. So this game can be played regardless of what platform or system you own. You should be able to play with your friends if they own the game, either on PC, Nintendo Switch, Xbox, PS4. It doesn't matter. You can play together. The only catch right now is that you can only play with friends on other platforms in private matches. Um, Psyonix, the developer of Rocket League, has said that in a future update they will allow you to party up with your friends on any platform and then play online together. So that is coming. So this is definitely the first step in something that will be larger going forward for the game. Um, but considering this has never, to my knowledge, really been done before, I feel like this is a big deal, and I don't know how much news this is going to get, but I think this is a big, very big step forward. Um, I don't know, Mike, what do you think? Uh, definitely. Um, I... I... I love the idea of crossplay because it simplifies the issues that people have with, oh, I have this system, I have that system. Yeah, I mean, you'll still have console exclusives, PC exclusives, all that stuff is still going to exist. That crossplay is not going to get rid of that. But it gets you the opportunity to say, like, hey, Andy, we just talked earlier. You know, you need to catch up on Destiny, but you don't have it for Xbox. Maybe if they had crossplay, we could work that out we could have been playing together a long time ago on destiny um the the only thing i think th and i think it's going to be a real issue to address going forward is in competitive games especially like rocket league shooters keyboard and mouse on pc has a distinct advantage in all competitive play how are they going to balance that? Other than that, I don't see any issues whatsoever. Um, maybe they make it co-op only. You know, if you want to go into... The, and I think that's where Rocket League kind of falls off on that. Because there really is no co-op only Rocket League. Um, yeah. But other games, there is co-op only. And I don't think it's as much of an advantage for Rocket League with PC. Um, it's probably not. It might be. Um, with the higher frames per second available and things like that. But um, in general, I think they they may end up having to do co-op only just for that very reason um, because of the competitive balance and PC just being <laughs> leaps and bounds ahead of console and controllers. Um. 
See, I was thinking about that, and I feel like if if this becomes a staple moving forward, that maybe it's just like a matchmaking option, where when if you're searching for online games, maybe you can just check like what platforms you want to be able to matchmake with. So if you want the option to play with a PC crowd, you just say, "Yeah, I'm cool with playing with PC." But if you want to take them out, you should be able to like uncheck a box somewhere that says, you know, PC owners or something. I feel like that's going to be totally up to the developer, though. Yes, yeah. Microsoft, Sony, the the publishers and and companies like that can allow the option to be there, but it is up to the developers of the game if they want to allow the games to be cross-platform. So, to Mike's point, in the case of shooters, which, yes, keyboard and mouse has a distinct advantage compared to console owners with a controller in their hand. So, developers might not want their game to be able to be played against each other in that capacity. So maybe they would limit that from the start. You wouldn't actually have that option. Well, I mean, that's part of why I see like the co-op only thing is like, they make it so that it can be done. So say in destiny, you could go into raids, strikes, whatever, but you just couldn't enter PVP together unless you're on the same platform. And that would be cool too. Yeah. It still checks that crossplay box. Right but you're not getting frustrated over getting owned by someone with a keyboard and mouse the entire time. Yeah, like time. equal skill keyboard and mouse is going to just trash all over somebody with a controller in their hand. It's not, you're not competitive. Um, and, and that's fine. It's just one of those things they have to keep in mind going forward with it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if this becomes a trend, I am curious to see which games allow it how quickly something like this will catch on. Because this has been a long time coming, I feel like. And so if this is the first game to do this, I feel like we're still in the early stages. It's still going to be years before a lot of games start adopting this. Wasn't Fortnite doing it? Was it every platform? I feel like it might have been some. I don't remember if it was all. I think they excluded PC. Okay. Um. Yeah, if they... Because I always thought Sony was the holdout. So if Sony... Allowed cross-platform with Xbox and Switch for Fortnite. Then I, it may have I been Sony that. that was the holdout. I know they did cross-platform play for Fortnite, but it may not have been Sony. That It may have been Sony that was the holdout. I would have to look it up. Because I don't actually play the game, so I don't know. Specifically, I don't keep up. Okay. I remember seeing a big deal about Fortnite having cross-play. But yeah, cause I that remember, was all I remember. It was a big thing. Like Microsoft was, I think, one of the first studios to really be like hey look we're open to it if people want to do it and they pretty much like extended the olive branch and i think shortly after that nintendo was like you know yeah that sounds fun we could we could support that but sony was the one that's like we don't see a need for that we're we're totally fine when we're at at the top of the console selling market selling twice as much as all these other consoles we don't give a shit what everybody else wants to do so they i don't know what they thought it was going to affect or if it if they're thinking it's going to affect console sales i don't i don't know what their reasoning was but they seemed very reluctant to allow this to happen. I mean, for me, I think the biggest thing is that you've got some games that may be popular for niche crowds um, that cross-platform play would open up a significantly bigger player base for them to go from. Um, so, like, I, I, you know me, I play a lot of Destiny. I'm very up to date on what's going on with the game. Um, currently on Destiny, your average daily PvP on Destiny sees 350,000 people or so, according to the tracker websites that 
um, show you the data on such things. And among that, about half of it's on PlayStation, um, about 30% on PC, and about 20% on Xbox. So that 350,000, it's really not that much when you consider the Xbox and PC crowds are only getting 20% of that. So you're talking 70,000 people playing PvP in a day on Xbox around the world. That's not much, especially when you have P2P servers, um, which is mind-boggling that they still do. But they have P2P servers, and you have 70,000 people around the world to matchmake with. Um, and that's in 24 hour period. That's not at any given time, you know? So I think it's a very good thing for a lot of games. And destiny is not by any means a niche game. It's just a game slowing down. Whereas some other games like maybe dark souls would benefit greatly by having a much larger PVP crowd available for it that could cross play. Um, because they, you know, yeah. it's an older game, but the people that still do play it would, I'm sure, welcome there being more people to do it with. Yeah. Uh, Andy, anything to add? Um, I think it'd be neat to have the ability to play with anybody. You know, I have Destiny 2 for my playstation and i think it'd be neat to play with you guys a lot of the reason i stopped playing destiny 2 besides the fact that it got ultra boring um (laughs) was that i didn't really have anybody to play it with because everyone that i played it with and was doing stuff with dropped out about the same time that i did (laughs) so actually i kept going none of them did and then it just like (laughs) playing it solo just kind of got what, yeah. Wasn't it Luke Smith uh. said the friend game is the end game? Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I honestly, I think this, this could open up more game sales. Maybe not console sales, but you think of people that have different consoles, like, you know, Andy and I do and stuff like that, that if you're... You, you don't want to spend the money to invest in another console to play the game as somebody else, but if you just need to buy the game regardless of console to play with a friend i think that would drive game sales yeah because it's some, some games somebody might say like hey oh i have xbox and all my friends that play this have it on playstation there's no point in me buying it right yeah get everybody to be have that inclusive group for games and stuff like that have it more of a i don't know bring bring that part of the the fun of gaming and, and make that a bigger, you know, more accessible for people, I guess is the word I'm looking for. That would could only help video games and video game sales and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't see any losers in cross-platform play. Yeah, which is why I was confused why Sony seemed reluctant to do this. I feel like this is a win-win for everybody involved. I mean, I don't know, maybe there's more logistics in just actually setting something like that up or whatever they have to approve or do, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it'll be easy. And I think, you know, there could be, like, the security issues that who's responsible for this, that, or the other, maybe, with connecting people, you know, um, yeah. could be a thing. But I, I really don't know. 
So, yeah, this is something else we'll probably have to keep our eye on and see if there's any other games that are announced for crossplay. Rocket League seems to be, I guess, considered the quote-unquote beta for this type of thing. To see how they do it, see how it works, see what they do. Um, yeah, I don't know if... I have Rocket League. I'll have to see if there's anybody on, on another platform or system that I can try to play with to see how it works at some point going forward. But, um, yeah, it could be... It's definitely something to try. I think Again, I think it's only good news, so... Um, I definitely think this is a good thing to, to see happen, and I'm curious to see where it goes. Agreed. Um, all right, last uh, bit of news. Uh, we've been touching on some Destiny stuff. This is big news for Destiny fans. Uh, just, just a little bit of history. Back in the day, Bungie, which is the developer studio behind Destiny, was bought up by Microsoft to make Halo for the Xbox. That was their console exclusive for Microsoft. They were working on the Halo franchise. So Halo went on to become one of the biggest IPs for Microsoft. Halo Reach was the final Halo game by Bungie. They decided they wanted to work on a new IP, a new game moving forward. Microsoft obviously wanted to continue the Halo franchise, so Bungie kind of split up. Part of the company stayed as Bungie, went on to create a new IP, which would become Destiny. The other part of Bungie wanted to continue making Halo games. They stayed on with Microsoft to create 343 Studios. They continue to make Halo games to this day. So the developers of Bungie went to make another publishing deal with the studio. So they partnered with Activision to help Destiny get going. Activision is most known in the gaming community for publishing the Call of Duty franchise. So this game sees year releases, is constantly one of the highest selling video games each year it releases, um, Bungie always promoted Destiny as being an ever-evolving game that you could conceivably create a character, carry that same character with you over 10 years worth of content. Um, Bungie made the deal with Activision in 2010. Their contract was supposed to last 10 years. During those 10 years, constant pressure from Activision changed the direction of Destiny. Activision supposedly pushed the game to get basically a new game release, I think every maybe two years. Or at the very least, a very sizable DLC addition to push sales. I believe the contract was two years per game release, and every year it needs okay. to, need to have at least one large DLC content. Okay. So this would fall in line with sort of like the annual release schedule that Activision has for like their other franchise, like Call of Duty. Every year they're getting a good chunk of money based on what is released. So part of this deal seems to go against what Bungie promised from the start. So we fast forward to where Destiny's player base has suffered. Case in point, Andy fell off the game here. Um, so it seems to have a hard time keeping people invested in the game. Earlier in this month, Bungie made the announcement that they will be splitting from Activision prior to the 10-year agreement of their deal. This is year 8, 9, just about 9. Um, and they will self-publish Destiny moving forward. That means Bungie will exclusively own Destiny as their own IP. Activision has no part in Destiny moving forward. Now, stuff like this rarely happens. This is this is big news for developers and studios. If, if developers and publishers ever split, it never seems like the rights stay with the developers who made the game. The publishing studio, I feel like, typically hangs on to that IP, and they just have another developer come in to revive the franchise and keep it going. Or... You know, sort of in case of, of Activision and Call of Duty, Call of Duty is basically Activision's IP, and they have multiple developers working on the same franchise, so they rotate the release schedule. That's how they can get it out annually, is that they one developer will make a game every two years, but they 
they sort of overlap. So one year it's one studio, the following year it's another studio, the year after that it goes back to the first studio, and so on and so forth. Um, so since Mike is probably the biggest Destiny player that I know, I'll start with you. How do you feel about this news? Um, well, here here's the thing. Bungie doesn't have the excuse for mistakes that get made any longer of it being Activision's <laughs> fault. Um, but I feel like they use that card a lot <laughs> as well. Yes. Yeah, they it, like more so than what is actually Activision's fault. Well, yeah, and we all know that, and it, it, like it, we all know that it's not all Activision here. Um, a lot of these decisions are made by Bungie. Um, the decision at the start of Destiny 2 to push a PvP setting that was designed seemingly to try to be an MLG type of game, uh, they could maybe blame that on Activision, but I kind of feel like that was their decision. Um, the nerfing and buffing and all of that stuff that they do has nothing to do with Activision. Um, Bungie has a very clear track record of listening to people that are crying all over their forums all the time about weapons being overpowered, underpowered, etc. And then over, and they take things too far. And, you know, they 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 hear the feedback and then they go too far with it. Um, Overcompensate. Yes, they just take a f weapon that was fun to use or a super that was fun to use, and they nerf it so far into the ground that nobody ever uses it again. Um, I'm looking at Thorn in Destiny 1 and The Last Word in Destiny 1, which just came back to the game. And um, it, all these things seemingly, um, they, they don't fall on Activision at all. But what does fall on Activision is the fact that I had a character that I put untold hundreds of hours into on destiny one that I had to completely abandon except for the visual look of the character, which is extremely limited. Like among your character creation options in triple a video games, it's pretty weak um, for, for RPG character creation. What they allow you to do is very limited. But other than that, making its face look a certain way. I had n nothing of my character travel with me from the first game to the second game. Um, that's on Activision. Oh, man, you still had the Bradley Panache. It's all good. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a big problem, you know, like for a lot of players like I w when I started the game I knew that would kind of be the case because I started a little bit late um now we have the chance for Bungie to say we are just going to expand we have Bungie has the chance to do that at this time there there's a you know we have next month well not technically next month since today's the 31st but in March we're getting the next season with the season pass coming out Sometime in the late spring, early summertime, we will get the final part of the season pass. And then next fall, there is scheduled to be another large DLC release. And the following year was meant to be Destiny 3. 
if they can either somehow package Destiny 3 as carrying my character and all of my equipment with me, or package that as merely an add-on to Destiny 2 instead of a brand new game where I have to start all over again. Because with a game that we invest this much time into, it's important that, you know, we're going to have this stuff for a long time. Because they put in very grindy, time-consuming tasks for us to do to obtain certain things in the game. And when you put that kind of time towards obtaining that, weapon, piece of armor, whatever the hell it is. Could just be a sparrow or a ship. You put a lot of time into getting that. And if it's only going to be with me for the next six months, I'm probably not going to put the time into it. But if it's going to be with me for the next six years, yeah, all right, I'm in. If I'm going to have the, you know, the ability to access that for a very long time, I'll be much more interested in the investment. Um... That, so that's important to me that Bungie takes this opportunity to not release that. I will pay them $60 for their big release like it's a full game, and so will so many people. Um, they just need to take that leap, I think. Um, what does it mean creatively? I think creatively we're going to get a little bit more of the Destiny 1-style storytelling, um, which I think will be a definite positive um, at least in terms of what the lore is and how deep it actually is. Um, Destiny 1 did not do a great job of conveying the lore in the game with cinematics and dialogue and things like that. And so Activision very obviously pushed for the more cinematic approach. Um, so there's more cutscenes, there's more in-game dialogue, but it's all very shallow in Destiny 2. Um, with the exception of the lore surrounding the raid, which you have to get the same way you got in the first game, which is by reading. Reading the pieces of armor that you get from the raid. Reading a lot of stuff. And they started to incorporate Grimoire back in, kind of, with Forsaken, but it still feels... It feels good in a lot of ways, but I feel like they're retreading some steps that they already told in the Grimoire of Destiny 1 that people didn't read. Um, because if you tell people, you can find out about this story, about this stuff, and here's where, they're probably not going to do it and they don't follow it cause unless they're really interested like I was. Um, so, I think we get a chance for Destiny to be Bungie's true vision. But Bungie no longer has that crutch of an excuse of its Activision's fault. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is that Bungie did sign a pretty large deal with a Chinese company um, not long ago to develop a mobile game for some Chinese company, I believe. Uh, and that could be part of the spark that caused this because it was a pretty, it was like a quarter of a billion dollars that they signed with them. It was, it was significant. Is it going to be a Destiny game? No. No, it's a, it's a completely different thing they're working on. Are you sure it's mobile? That's what I remember about it. It was a long time ago they signed okay. the contract. 
Yeah, I feel like I remember reading that they made a deal with some outside company. I thought it was a Chinese company for some insane amount of money to just make another IP. It might just be an IP. The articles that I mentioned didn't mention mobile, okay. so that's why I wasn't sure if that was confirmed. That, that may yet. just be me getting mixed up with the stupid Warcraft thing that Blizzard's making. and it... I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just don't remember reading that it was specific to a mobile I, I've read a lot of articles recently. It's probably me just being mixed up. But nonetheless, they still have the okay. big giant contract with the Chinese company to make another game, which yeah. now that they don't, because this also came out just recently, um, part of what I was talking with you about earlier, Brian, is that now that Activision's out, that means Vicarious Visions is out. Um, and what's what's that? Vicarious Visions was uh, the studio that helped them make Warmind and Forsaken. Um, they okay. were like a assisting studio and some of the coolest content and stuff that they did came from vicarious visions wasn't there was it vicarious visions or was it a third studio that was working on the pc version th of the game because it, it wasn't it was, i don't think both of them are out I, there, there was a third studio whose name i don't know off the top of my head okay yeah because i don't remember bungie developing the the pc version that was another activision owned studio yes. as well yeah and they're also out of course um but i can't Say remember their names, so I don't. High Noon was High Noon the studio that worked on. Might be. For some reason, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I have to research that. I don't remember if that was the exact. I, that for whatever reason, that studio name jumped in my head. Yeah, I, I don't PC games, so I don't really know. But yeah, they, there was a different company that's out, and it drew, drew up questions about is Bungie going to be able to keep up making PC content without that studio are they going to be able to pay another studio to do it things like that um if vicarious visions had a large hand in warmind and forsaken which are the two best expansions that we've had for destiny 2 by far um and like i said the additional cool content like it was vicarious visions idea and putting it into action that led to people finding the warmind javelin out on the mountain trail like they found a like there was a puzzle in game that vicarious visions made that wound up leading to an actual physical replica of a destiny weapon on a in a oh in i a, do remember um, reading geocache. that okay. they, they they put a geocache out um they, it, so there was a puzzle in game and outside the game and all that where it led to coordinates and people in the real world went to those coordinates and found this stuff. That was Vicarious Visions. That was part of their thing, which is an awesome addition, even though it's not really much in the game. But they had a lot to do with the good stuff that came. Um, so Bungie being on its own, having that other deal to do this game for the Chinese company, I don't know the extent of their capabilities at this point. Um, Bungie's a large company, but they're not ginormous by any means. I think there's like 800 employees at Bungie. Yeah, and what this means also, Activision took care of the marketing for all this mm -hmm. stuff too. Marketing, promotion for Destiny, getting the word out there, getting the game published. All that stuff is going to fall on Bungie yeah. now. So I don't know if it seems like they may have bitten off more than they could chew. You know, of course, what? every press relief they 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 talk about says, you know, we got this handled. We've learned a lot from being under this company to see how things work, and we got this under control. But we will see. 
I'm predicting a lot more microtransactions. <laughs> and that's another point I was going to bring up is that yes, yes uh, uh, full game releases for sixty dollars uh, sucks, there's... but it pays the bills. Right. And and for a smaller studio that is now in charge of a big AAA title, they're going to have to pay the bills. So does that? And if they're not doing full game releases every year like Activision did. They have to make that income somehow, which means, one, either more microtransactions, or two, more often paid DLC. I'd say you're going to see more often paid DLC, but I also think you'll still see the $60 every two years. I'm just hoping that the $60 is available kind of the way Diablo does it, or Warcraft does it, or, you know, a lot of these other MMOs that you can go and you can um, just have add-ons that still sell at full price. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just I, I feel like reading some of the stuff online, people are like, oh yay, we're not gonna have to pay for DLC anymore. No, I think you're missing the point of what is happening. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting everything for free at this Activision's point. Activision's I mean, gone. Right. If, we don't if, need money anymore. What? <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah, there's still I'm assuming they're a publicly traded company. I To be honest, I, I no don't know. Bungie's publicly traded. So, I mean, they're going to have to answer to their shareholders if they are. I mean, Activision is, because Mike and I were sort of talking about that a little bit ago, is that that Activision stock dropped and their shareholders are pissed off because they are all under the impression, and Activision, I guess, basically made no mention that they were going to split with Bungie. So the news was a surprise for shareholders who thought they still had a year and a half of Destiny under Activision. And that they're suing Activision now for being misled. That they were told, you know, we can invest in this company because we're going to have this very popular game for another year and a half. So I think, what is it, class action lawsuit or something like yep. that? What do they call it? Yeah, that's that what what's happening. Yeah. So Activision's getting sued. Uh, Bungie seems to be okay for now, but I guess but we'll see. My personal hope, and my honest, partially, it's my expectation that the end result of this is Bungie just walking back into Microsoft's open arms like, all right, we're back. And, it, and then Microsoft saying, good, it, let, let, let's do this right again. And, you know, yeah. let's not have the problems we had last time, you know. It may have been an abusive relationship, but they're back for more. Um, and but Yeah, it was like, I think one one article I read, I think it was from... Kotaku was talking about how, like, you know, he heard from someone involved with Bungie that there was a meeting to say they were splitting from Activision. Everyone in the room cheered and celebrated by popping champagne, and it was this big celebration. And he ended the article by basically saying, yeah, well, Bungie celebrated the same way when they left Microsoft 10 years ago. Right. I, I read that very same article. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot to... Sure, it looks all nice and rosy now, but if Bungie struggles, they have to—they're going to have to go make a deal with another studio somewhere down the and line. And you know, EA is just waiting to swoop in on that one, <laughs> 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 and then we'll see how people are happy that they're gone from Activision. Um, yeah, it, it, I mean, the truth is, like, I hope part of me hopes and sees the potential for them to go to a better publisher than Activision, than EA, than an Ubisoft. Get them away from those companies that are overbearing and over your shoulder and get them to somebody that's not. 
somebody that lets you do your own thing more, you know? And I think that's important for them in choosing whoever that next publisher is going to be. I think it would blow people's minds if you're right, Mike, and they sign with Microsoft. Like, Microsoft is, especially this last E3, was buying up studios all over the place to try to give their platform exclusive games that they could try to sell consoles for. They haven't announced what these studios are making, but they bought, like, ten different studios, and some of them are pretty Mm -hmm. fucking good. So if suddenly they steal... Bungie from Activision, Sony essentially. Sony shit fit. Yeah, because <laughs> all these Destiny things are timed exclusives on PS4. Yeah. So Sony will shit themselves <laughs> if suddenly Bungie is owned by Microsoft. And, I mean, I'll be unhappy if it ends up with Sony buying them just because I have two and a half, three years of a character on my Xbox that I then have to <laughs> abandon for the next, you know, whatever. That would kind of suck. Yeah. But I'd still do it. Um, I I just, I'm like, I hope it goes that way for Microsoft because I also want to see, you know, Halo fully realized again. Like, why you think Bungie being part of Microsoft will make that happen? I mean, kind of the way you said it is the team split and you had three, four, three and Bungie separated then. And maybe we get three, yeah, four, but I th- three, I mean, and I feel Bungie, like Bungie back is... together at Microsoft and making a full, you know, full Bungie squad Halo game. Yeah, I mean, the only difference there is that it's, I don't know if the same people are still oh, at those companies. No Each of those companies has then expanded that it's not like you're putting the puzzle back together. These are very two separate entities dream. now. Calm down. <laughs> like, I... And I am here to crush your dreams. Halo 2 PvP can happen again. So, we, can have, we can have this again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. With yeah, with Bungie being that invested in Destiny, I, I even if they went back to Microsoft, I don't see them like reintegrating with 343. No, but, maybe not reintegrating, but I mean that's not saying it's not saying they won't share ideas if they're both under the same company, but uh Andy, since you're since you sort of gave up on Destiny, does this give you any more incentive to want to jump back in or see where things go from here? Not really. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. So nothing about this news excites you? No, because I I feel like like I'm just gonna you know log back on and have to grind all over again, and then the next DLC <laughs> will come out, and hey, look. You got to do all that shit over again. So you're going to go <laughs> on and log on and try and get my light level back up. And then, hey, look, another DLC. Like, oh, no, I'm, I'm not that high anymore. So I'm going to have to go on, grind a little bit more, and get my light level up. And it's just, yeah, it's. That's, that's the world of Destiny in a nutshell. Yep. And I think that's a big problem with Burnout is that people don't want to grind all year. They want new content, but they don't want to have to level grind throughout the entire year. Right. And yeah. I, I, I think. Especially if it's not going to matter, which in Destiny it doesn't. You know, like, I don't mind the level grind in a game like Diablo. Because in Diablo, if I level grind and I go back to the first level, I can absolutely shit on everything I can see. You can curb stomp everything. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you just flick you, flick you, flick you. Oh, you uh, two flicks for you. <laughs> and then, you know, but like Destiny, I log on and the dregs are still like kicking the shit out of me. And I'm like, what the? Hell! Exactly. Like, you've leveled up all this way just to access the content. 
and and that's what it really amounts to is that you're now a high enough level that you don't just get shit on by the content. But the old content that right. was hard before, now you're 500 Which levels you higher than. To, you should be able to run naked through with the, with the original starting pistol and, or I'm sorry, hand cannon. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, just like, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, one-shotting fucking everything. But no, no, like, the, you have to, like, legitimately fight everything all over again at, at like, light level 380 or whatever the fuck it is. Right, right and... and- and in Destiny 1, you had a little bit of that experience where you could go back and just shit on the game. You know, like, I, some of the most fun you can have in Destiny 1 now is go back to playing Vault of Glass, the year one version. And you can use pretty much whatever weapon you want and kill Atheon in one phase with friggin' sidearms if you want to. Just to get a laugh out of it. Um... And it's fun, you know, to go back and be over-leveled. That's the point of leveling up is, you know, like, some content gets easier and then you're able to do the harder stuff. And they don't do that in this game at all. And it, it, kind of, well, it makes raising the level pointless. Right. There, there's no point in having a higher level if the only thing that you're doing is gating people out of content until they reach that level. Um. Yeah, I don't know like what the what the crowd they're aiming for is. Like I feel like they're they're tailing towards hardcore players that play all the time. But you're screwing out the casual guys who just jump on here and there that can't keep up with what is happening and then you get frustrated and don't want to play. That and that was me, you know, it's just plus it, it's hard to play a game where you're supposed to play with people solo. It gets difficult. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I I started trying to do some of those Osiris, like, they were like, uh, I don't know, like super missions or something, where you went into the garden? Was it a garden? Oh, the forest? No. The, th- the infinite the forest? The forest or whatever. Infinite forest. Yeah. I mean, you went into that and, like, the things were ultra fucking difficult, and I tried doing <laughs> that a little bit solo. Man, I, I got, let me tell you, I got curb stomped. <laughs> Um, but I was like, I was pretty decently high, like uh, light level at that point. It was just like, well, this this is dumb, and I stopped playing. <laughs> so I'm gonna make an executive comment and maybe just say that you're more excited for the crossplay function than than what's going on with Bungie and Activision. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I definitely say Bungie and Activision will see crossplay all thumbs up. The the Bungie Activision things kind of. Who makes the money from the game I, to me is not that relevant. Right. I, yeah. I think I, I'm still a proponent of saying that Bungie has been making their bed for a very long time and, you know, that they need to sleep in it. Um, and that's, I think, you know, the internet was like really overjoyed with this news, but you guys have both said it. I think a lot of these decisions came from Bungie, not Activision. Activision is just the one that everyone threw under the bus because they owned Bungie and everyone thought the decisions were coming from the top down. Yeah. When I don't know if they were coming from that high up. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens from here. I'm also thinking like with all the deadlines that Activision was giving Bungie, it makes me hope (laughs) that Bungie doesn't get lazy without like another 
force imposing deadlines on them. You know what I mean? Well, I think part of the deadline, the problem with the deadlines, at least from what everybody was throwing Activision on the bus for, was that it was rushing content before it was ready. Right. And that's, that's what worries me for people that are hardcore gamers and need that new content, need the new right. grind and stuff. I feel like it's going to be longer between said things because they don't have that master whipping, like, gotta get it out, gotta get it out. And as a hardcore Destiny player, um, I can tell you I'm fine with that idea because the most okay. fun I had in Destiny 1 was the last year of it once I had already reached max level and had been there for months and months and months and I could just go and play the raids or play strikes or I could just go in and play whatever I wanted to enjoy it. I had more fun doing that than I did grinding for levels. Um, and I look forward to times like that coming in Destiny 2 at some point where I can just go back and play the raids, play some strikes, do a nightfall here, do that. And I'm not doing it, it for it, powerful gear. I'm doing it because that's what I want to do at the time. Right. But is it is it still going to, you know, if you're light level 380, all the enemies are going to be 380. Like, is it? I was okay with that. They like uh, th- that didn't even matter. Like I, it, it, like during the end of Destiny One, they had what was called the Age of Triumph, and during that time, they brought all the other raids except for Wrath, which was already high level, up to that high level. So Vault of Glass, um, Crota's End, and King's Fall all got brought up to three ninety. And so you were still playing a hard version of the raid that you weren't just going in and stomping all over like you were for the last couple years. Right. You could actually go in and have a challenge at it and get new, like the old gear at higher levels again. You know, so it's like, oh, great. I got a year four fate bringer that's now a 400 fate bringer. Awesome. I am by no means a good destiny player, but sometimes I feel like, you know, to grind out all those levels that you almost deserve to be able to go back and maybe do content that you can't do because well, maybe you're just not good enough to do it. Easier later. is and, what Yes. Yeah. Like you grind it all this way and something that you weren't able to do before when you were the same level as it, you still can't go back and play it. Well, now because it, it leveled with you. And I feel like you deserve a chance to experience that content because you grinded all this, all these ways of the level. Uh, Andy, is there any changes like going forward that would bring you back to the game or you just pretty much wiped? Uh, is there anything I'd like be... with the split? Is there anything you'd like to see Bungie do moving forward that might bring you back to the game? Um, for instance, if, if Mike's theory is right and they, we do not see an actual, sequel release going forward but it's the same game you keep your character all your gear and just constantly get updates to content moving forward even though you're behind now is there anything that would seem appealing to you at this point uh i've i'm kind of uh fed up with Made your it. Piece with yeah it. <laughs> fair enough yeah, I got burned out pretty quickly on Osiris, so... You and pretty much everybody else. Yeah, I mean... There's certain times I hit the wall where I just need to walk away for a little bit and take a break. I'm 
Yeah, I, I but, never went back though. <laughs> yeah, to your point, I think like I I do have a constant sort of like fire team that I play, two or three guys that I like I play with Eric all the time still. Uh Romano before Spider-Man. You know, <laughs> fell off to play Spider-Man. So but he used to play all the time, but luckily Christmas came around and a buddy of mine that used to play Destiny with us for Destiny 1 got an Xbox one for Christmas and bought Destiny 2, so we've been helping get him up to speed. So I've got a constant group that I can play with, which helps me want to And he's to got me game. anytime something hard comes up. <laughs> right, which I do. I bring I bring Mike up from the bench when I get stuck. I'm So yes, having the support group brings makes it a long help helps a long way to want to get you to play the game. Yeah. So I, I'm with and, you and I that. dedicated a lot of my time to being a Sherpa in Destiny One and Two, and it's a rewarding experience to help people through their first time on, you know, raids, dungeons, things like that. It's a really fun experience to help people through. I enjoy it, um, and it's very helpful to have people like that around because that's how I got started. Was the guy I founded our clan with did that for me through Destiny 1 toward the end of it. And that got me into doing it for other people. And it's really something that has fallen off in the community a lot. And I think that's part of the reason that a lot of people are leaving Jaded is that there's not as many people out there willing to just help. Because the grind is such that they have to help themselves first and it just never ends. By the time they're done helping themselves, yeah. they're either burnt out or the new update's out and they have to help themselves again. Um, so, Andy, we'll have to keep our eyes on crossplay. If crossplay <laughs> ever becomes a thing with Destiny, and Destiny is still going at that point, I think I think Mike and I can both volunteer ourselves. If you want to work your way back up, we will be around. If you buy it for xbox and you actually want to get back into it at some point there is very little chance that i will end up buying it for <laughs> xbox i was just gonna make you an offer that give me your login i'll grind your character up to max level and then you can or close to it or whatever and then you can just join in on stuff i don't have a job i'm bored <laughs> beats deleting my own character but you have to pay. You have to pay Mike's weekly allowance for that <laughs> to happen. Uh, that'll be a case of Mountain Dew and some Doritos, sir. <laughs> <laughs> the stereotypical <laughs> video game yeah. snack. I mean, Doritos that's not the actual. Side. I just went with it because I mean, if if I was being true, it would be like yes. Coke, Coke Zero and gummy bears. Uh, that 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 that's my go-to. <laughs> game. There you go, Andy. You have your price. <laughs> Um, all right. So, any any last thoughts for this one? I think otherwise we'll close it down. Mm. Nothing. Alrighty. Uh, yeah, it's something else we'll keep our eyes on. I think it, I brought it up. I think mainly because it's something I've never really heard happen too often before, and I'm curious to see if this is going to last. Like we sort of talked about, them. we'll see if this if Bungie stays separate. If they're actually going to fall back into another company because they can't hack it themselves, since they may have tried this before. Uh, but I guess at the time they made Destiny, Destiny wasn't a thing then. This is now a marketable brand. They might have a little bit more clout in the industry with just that IP. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where it goes. We'll see. We'll see how it, how it goes. 
Um, all right, I think that's it for us. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please stop by iTunes. You can leave us a five-star rating and review. Be sure to share, subscribe, favorite the show wherever you can listen to us at. Uh, as always, you can find us on Facebook. Search Bright Guy and Super Friends. Or go to facebook.com slash Friends. You can send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. Um, you can try to email us. I, I haven't checked it in probably a year. Uh, BrightGuySuperFriends at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us at BGSuperFriends on Twitter. That I can check. Uh, so... Facebook and, and Twitter are probably your best places to reach out to us. Uh, on behalf of Andy, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time.